The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 42. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. This week's episode is a replay of the Legion of Dudes podcast, What the Dudes Want for Christmas 2010 episode. Now, recently I was on this episode and I was able to take part with the Legion of Dudes podcasters as we discussed some of the things, you know, geek-centric that, um, you know, you and your fellow man or woman would like for Christmas this year. So it's a really fun episode. They also do a naughty list, a nice list. I want to thank the Legion of Dudes for taking the time out, for letting me be a part of the show, and just talk about Christmas and geekery and all that whatnot, for all their support that they give, not only to PKD Media, but to Action Lab Entertainment, and we're real thankful here for that. So thank you to the entire HHWLOD family, and that's um, half hour wasted in Legion of Dudes. To get episodes of the Legion of Dudes podcast, you can go to hhwlod.com, or you can find them on iTunes as well. Once again, thank you to the Half Hour Wasted Legion of Dudes family. Uh, we do appreciate all the love that y'all give, and I can't, I can't say thanks enough. Now, speaking of Action Lab Entertainment, the Action Lab Entertainment Kickstarter is still going f- full swing. As of this recording, we have approximately 22 days left, and we have raised $2,351 towards our $3,600 goal to print, publish, and solicit our first issue of Fracture by Sean Gabber and Chad Ciccone and Dave DeWanch. I'm ecstatic that, you know, we don't have that much that much further to go. I'm really excited. We're about you know, 65% funded with less than 22 days left. I know it's the holidays. You know, I know times might be tough on people, but for those that can donate, we would more than appreciate it. Um, I can't say thanks enough to those that have donated. I, it's just lovely. It's wonderful. I can't say thanks enough from everybody at you know at Action Lab Entertainment. So it's just wonderful. Um, if you want to know more about the fundraiser, just go to kickstarter.com and go in the search header and type in Action Lab or Fracture and you'll find out more about it. And there are rewards if you choose to donate. So 22 days left and we're about $1,250 away from reaching our goal. And I think we can do it, and I thank all of you for all your support and love. Also wanted to take a quick moment out to thank some listeners of the PKD Black Box for the wonderful Christmas gifts that they sent to me. Um, uh, Dennis Pooh, a longtime listener of our network, uh, has uh, sent me a Transformers Collection Volume 10 Soundwave action figure. It's actually from China. It's in the China packaging with the nice artwork on the front. It's got Soundwave and Laserbeak. It's got like a this like nice thick catalog, and it's just pristine and super clean. It's awesome. I used to have a Soundwave when I was a child. I, I played with it so much that I couldn't transform it anymore because if not, I'd have uh, broken it. So to have this back is uh, something that's just really, really just fantastic and makes me happy. So I wanted to thank Dennis for that. I also wanted to thank Andrew Shaw for sending me um, a slew of trades, including uh, Midnight Nation, uh, Just a Pilgrim, um, this nice Vertigo trade, just all types of stuff. And um, I wanted to say thank you to Andrew as well. Also, special shout outs to Pat Loika, artist extraordinaire. 
Um, his artwork can be seen in The Villain, uh, which is available in a couple of uh, digital spots across the globe. He sent me a nice sketch of Cobra Commander in full color, and <laughs> it's just so dope. So you can't go wrong with some Joe love right there and Cobra love. And um, also shout outs to Donnie Salvo and John Carroll of the uh, of the PKD Black Box Network family as they sent me some cool G.I. Joe swag and comics. So, you know, much love to all of y'all. You know, once again, I hope that you all have a Merry Christmas. And I hope, you know, every single listener of the PKD Black Box has a wonderful Christmas as well. So thank you. Hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Legion of Dudes uh, that I was on. I think it's great. Also, if you haven't listened to Donnie Salvo's Tales from the Attic Christmas Craptacular Marathon, we just posted an episode yesterday. It's uh, episode four of the Christmas Craptacular. Uh, so far, so far, he's did Christmas comics on the JSA, Spider-Man, uh, Superman, and Alpha Flight. And he's did that for four consecutive weeks. And possibly next week, he's going to do a New Year's a New Year's Tales from the Attic episode. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get that as well. And a, a fresh episode of the PKD Black Box will air next week as well. So I do what I can, how I can to get what, what we can get <laughs> to you, the people. So enjoy this week's show. Merry Christmas and have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Peace. galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Dudes. Dude. His dudeness. Duder. El Duderino. Dude. Dude. Dedicated to a single objective. The conquest of the universe. Dasher. Dancer. Mm-hmm. Francer. Mm-hmm. Nixon. Comet. Mm. Cupid. Donna Dixon. Sit down, Simpson. It's the Legion of Dudes podcast. And now, here's the dudes. Welcome, everyone, to the Legion of Dudes podcast. This is episode 122, What the Dudes Want for Christmas 2010. This is Russ, and I'm joined tonight with... A full slate of dudes. We've got John, Jordan, Ken, and Jim. Merry Christmas, fellas. Ho, ho, ho. This is hey, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. This is, this is a family show. Mother. Ah, son of a... 
this is always big on the uh, attendance. We usually have a full slate of dudes. It's a favorite of ours. It is. Yes. Well, it's the third annual. It is. Scary. And Jordan's first. Holy crap. Yeah, Jordan's it is first my show. First. But it's so I had no idea what to do. <laughs> but we have one more person who has been here for every Christmas show of the Legion of Dudes. Who wants to introduce Mr. Our guest? Sean Pryor. Mr. Sean Pryor. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for having me back on again. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Sean, I have a serious question for you though, okay? Talk to me. I'm confused. Which name are you going by now? Is it Stan Leroy or is it Baracko Comics? <laughs> okay, now when I'm actually like right now, as of right now, it's it's Baracko Comics because I'm on my, my Action Lab Kickstarter campaign tour. So like I've been hopping from podcast to podcast in Air Force Two um, to uh, spread the word. So I'm on my presidential tour right now. So it's Baracko Comics. When we, when we get back to the conventions... You call me whatever, as long as you just, you know, as long as it's a nice name. All right, can I call you Sean and shake your hand and say congratulations and buy a book? That, there you go. Okay. <laughs> is, there that a truth, is there any truth to the rumor, Sean, that in the last, I don't know, six to eight weeks, you've actually been on more podcasts than Daryl? Um, that is true. Um, I've had more guest appearances than Snoop Dogg has on other people's albums. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I've just been working hard, really trying to promote this um, this Action Lab Entertainment uh, Kickstarter fundraiser. Um, you know, I'm the president of Action Lab, and I just want them. I want all the guys: Chance Taconi, Sean Gabber, and Dave DeWanch, Andrew Charpar, uh, John Williams. I want, I want all these guys to be able to um, create comic books and just do things, and you know, get this stuff out to the direct market. So it's been my job to spread the word of Action Lab and help us raise money on Kickstarter for uh, action for action lab entertainment presents fracture issue one so that is um that right now is my job as of right now oh and john um congratulations on being named publisher of pkd media and one day when things slow down i will hand you a list <laughs> so you actually know what goes down and so you know you can start doing your thing well thank you and, and take your time uh <laughs> you know take <laughs> Take it slow. <laughs> I got I got a lot on my plate, so whenever you know when when the PKD stuff comes around, I I, I will be ready though. It's all about balances. I will never put you in a spot where you know where you feel uncomfortable or make the LOD feel feel uncomfortable. Because if you guys are uncomfortable, that makes me uncomfortable. And if we're all uncomfortable, it's like a bad bowel movement. Who wants that? <laughs> yeah. It, it that besides that's our job. It's our job to make John feel uncomfortable. So there you go. Yeah. There's only so much of that can go around. Lawsuit pending. Yes. Um, what What else can you tell us, Sean? You've never actually come on and talked about Action Lab with us. You've done it on the HHW side of the feed, but uh, you've never really been on our show and talked about it. Can you tell us all about where it's at and, and what it is exactly? Okay, this is what it is. Um, a, a few months back, uh, artists uh, Dave DeWanch and um, Chad Ciccone and creator Sean Gabrin you know, they've all been doing their own thing. Like Chad's been working on Mercury and the Murph for PKD Media over the past couple of years. Uh, Dave DeWanch has been working on independent comics and comics in the direct market. And Sean Gabrin's been doing this thing with Angry Gnome. Well, um, they got together and they decided that they wanted to be able to put out books in the direct market and digital market. And they just wanted to combine powers in order to put out the best books possible. So when they decided to do that, they formed Action Lab Entertainment. And then they gave me a call, asked me if I wanted to come on as president of Action Lab to, one, help spread the word of Action Lab, and two, um, help steer, steer the company and make sure that the boat doesn't sink on its, on its uh, first cruise. So that's basically what's been going down. We've been developing 
um, our number one limited series right now uh, that will be on next year. It will debut, if memory serves me right, um, apologies if, uh, if I get a little, little bit of a brand part. I want to say June. Uh, in June, uh, Fracture Issue 1 will be released and will be in the direct market and digital market. So we've been prepping and getting that ready. It's a three-issue limited series. It's a, a superhero action a mystery comedy. Um, if you go to kickstarter.com, type Action Lab in the search header, uh, you'll find out more about Fracture or, or go to actionlabcomics.com to learn more about like all the stuff that we're going to be trying to do next year. So the, just the whole thing with Action Lab was we just wanted to combine our powers to make the best comics possible, and we just wanted to do it under just a new banner because, you know, like if it was like all under PKD, somebody might say, well, I want this book to come out, but I don't want it to come out under that banner. So, well, maybe if we go to this other guy's banner, like, well, we don't want to do that either. So we just decided to keep it neutral, and that's how Action Lab Entertainment was formed. So, and we're going to try to, you know, get in everything, comics, um, animation, uh, you know, maybe we can get you know, some of our projects turned, uh, comics turned into live action properties. Who knows? But we're about the comics first and foremost, and everything else is secondary. So that um, is, at this moment, that is what Action Lab is all about. Now, Sean, you mentioned direct market and digital, and obviously direct market is pretty self-explanatory. Um, you know, comic shops, re- you know, retail comic shops across the country. What, if anything, can you say about the digital side? What's going to be your distribution method or have you figured that out yet possibly for digital is it going to be straight from like your site or are you looking to go through like comiXology or something like that we're trying to at least get on with uh, 13 digital vendors um we we want as much as much exposure as possible yeah it will be you know we we will do our best to sell um books from our site whether it be digital or paper um on top of um also working in association with a discount comic book service um, on our signature series line, which is a little bit different than stuff that's in the direct market, signature series line has a set print run, and so those are books that um, we that we like and we feel are entertaining. But we're at such a financial st- we're going to be at such a financial state where we can't put out everything on the direct market. We just can't afford it. Sure, you know. Sure. So um, so like the signature series run will be like a set, probably like a print run of about five hundred com- five hundred books for each uh, signature series book that comes out. Now go through dcbservice.com and through our website. But we feel with digital, this is our opportunity to reach as many markets as possible. And there are so many digital markets right now, including overseas. Um, you know, this will give us the opportunity to uh, you know be just as competitive um, as everybody else because right now the digital market is an open market, and it's um, you know it's it's quite challenging. And now that you know places like Comicsology, Graphic Ly are starting to become a little bit more open to indie comics and at least having um, standardization uh, standardization and um, welcoming policies to bring in indies, it's a good thing. So we're going to attack it on all fronts. We love, look, the direct market is cool, but if we just focused on the direct market, honestly, we wouldn't make any money. And then just being independent, I'm just, just being really honest, we would not make any money solely on the direct market. So we got to push that digital. Doesn't mean we do, doesn't mean that we don't like the direct market, but we got to make money so we can continue to make more comics. Nice, that's good to hear. <laughs> Thank you. So, Jim, you had a little bit of a fundraiser for the Kickstarter program this past weekend. What can you tell us about that? Well, uh, we did a uh, Christmas cartoon brunch with uh, Chad Ciccone, one of the artists from Action Lab. I mean, I've, I've known Sean and John and, and Dave and, and and Sean and Stephanie Gabarin. I mean. 
a lot of them are local to Pittsburgh or have been to Pittsburgh Con or been to Geek Throwdown. I know them from the shows and everything. I'm I, I'm I'm happy to help. So we what we did today was uh, Chad did um, uh, sketches for a five dollar donation or more, and a lot of people donated more, which was really cool to see. And then I kicked in a dollar for every uh, brunch that I sold today. Uh, on all that money went to the Kickstarter thing. I don't know what the final count what of what Chad made was, uh, but I can say that his tip jar is pretty full, and it wasn't all just ones. So uh, hopefully we did some <laughs> nice. good for you guys today. I don't know uh, what the final tally is. Oh, oh yes, you did, because um, according to Kickstarter.com, um, I logged in today, and it says uh, that the Gypsy fundraiser pledged $185, which put us, as of this recording, at 2000 one hundred and forty six dollars um and we're essentially one thousand four hundred and fifty four dollars away from our three thousand six hundred dollar goal nice nice and, and we have awesome. we have until january 14th to hit this goal and the way it works is is that if we don't hit it we get nothing but um and then no you know nobody's credit card gets charged or anything like that uh, kickstarter is, uh, is running an association with amazon and american express but if we do reach goal then that's when people's credit cards will be charged. And the way it works out is this. Um, minimum pledges are a dollar. And if you um, donate, donate a dollar to our, to our project, you have our sincere thanks and gratitude. However, if you donate $10 or more, you can receive uh, rewards such as uh, sketches, buttons, um, cop, uh, um, sorry, special editions of Fracture Issue 1, uh, your name in the acknowledgments or thank you section of Fracture Number 1, um, original artwork from Fracture, um, as I said before, sketches, head sketches, um, paintings, and the um, the donation tiers start as low as a dollar and go as high as high as five hundred bucks. But we have like donation tiers of one dollar, ten dollars, twenty five dollars, fifty dollars, you name it. And each donation tier, there's something good um, just for you. So. Also, I was happy to help today, and uh, it was a really fun event. A lot of people came down. Uh, you know, Seth Franzoli is another indie comics guy who's local. Uh, Dave Wachter came down and hung out with Chad for a while and uh, sketched. Uh, they were like up on our little stage there at Gypsy. So it was a fun event. I'm, I was, I'm happy to do whatever I can for you guys. You know, you know let me jump in here real quick. I'm sorry, Sean. Um, off offline on email and that over the last several weeks, uh, the Red Sea Legion and I have been going back and forth about who our listeners are, what our listenership actually is, how many people listen to our show on a weekly basis, on or off. You know what? And I've talked about different things about you know how many we have. I, I know what our numbers are, and this is what I'm talking to our listeners right now who may be listening to us. It's it's Christmas Day. You're 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 just listening to something on the car on the way to Grandma's house. It's during the week after Christmas. You're off from work, whatever. If every single one of our listeners went to the Kickstarter link that's going to be on our show notes at hhwlod.com and just donated one or two dollars, we'd have that gap closed. I'm, I'm asking every one of our listeners to do that. One or two dollars, like Sean said. Not only would you have appreciation, but if every one of us did that who listens to this show did that, we'd have that gap closed. I bet oh, we man. can do that. That would be awesome, and and I say thank you in advance. Uh, honestly, I really do. That would um, that that would be fantastic. And and and, and Jim, um, I have to say, um, you know, Jim, I've known you, for, I've known you for a while, and you're a really great dude. And the LOD family is great, and have always been good to me. But what you did today, Jim, I, I honestly, honestly cannot say thanks enough. 
um, from everybody at Action Lab, from, you know, including myself, uh, from the top to the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Uh, it was my pleasure, man. Like I said, it was a great event. We all had a really good time. So, And Ken, thank you for those words, man. It really, it really means a lot. I, I mean it. And I want you to know, I'm sure I, I have not done it yet, but I have the intention to, and I'm glad you did say when it's runs until, and you will be seeing something from, uh, from me with my thanks, because I have read your work, be it over PKD Media or whatever's happening, and I've read the work of the other folks involved with Action Lab, and I'm happy, happy to support this. Well, I appreciate it. And honestly, when I, and I say this, I don't just say this because I'm the president of Action Lab Entertainment. I say this because this is honestly true. Fracture is probably the best work that I've seen from Sean Gabrin as a writer and Chad Ciccone as an artist, period. Um, nice. Dave, Dave DeWanch has been uh, providing the color work and the lettering. Um, I actually have seen the first issue. It is, it is completed as of this morning completed it's done it's so it's 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 ready yeah it's ready and the purpose of the three thousand six hundred dollars is to print publish and solicit this comic we're not pocketing any cash you know we're, we're not we know we're not going on some wild parties and popping champagne no this is all going towards production of fracture issue one and this is the best this is the best book i've ever seen um, from these guys together. So it, it, it makes me excited. It, it, this is the stuff that makes me love comics, seeing stuff like this. So, I, I mean, just for me personally, too, I think it's, it's exciting to, you know, have come to know you, you know, met you in person as well as over the podcast airwaves for, for the last few years, you know, just to, to kind of be a part of, of, of something even, even tangentially, you know, just to see it gel and to see it come together and to see it to turn into something that's, that's going to be a physical thing, I, th- I think is, is, is pretty exciting to me. You know, I mean, we all, we all love Marvel and DC comics, but we don't often get to be a part of, you know, of, of how they're made. Um, and, and so I, th- I, think it's, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor, and I think it's something as, as comic fans, it's, it's worth our time and effort and, and a little bit of cash. And Sean, Sean, you and I are both a little under the weather at the CGS Comic Geek Speak Super Show 2010, <laughs> but uh, so we didn't yeah. spend a lot of time talking, but I definitely look forward to seeing you again uh, at the Super Show in April. Oh, most definitely. And this time, I'm going to have all my medicine with me. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm going to have so much, I'm going to have so much prevent, like, you know, medical prevention so right. I don't get sick. Um, Ho- I, I can't hopefully, wait. hopefully no drama either. Oh yeah, no drama this year. No, no, no. no I mean, 2011, no drama, no drama at Super Show. None I was, whatsoever. I was uh, talking with Brad, and I haven't made the reservation yet. But we're talking about making having our hotel at least, you know, locked up. So uh, I know Brad's looking to try and get there. And and I hope I hope if there if there's time if time permits that you guys have like a a panel or some type of um, some type of debate uh, because like I got to listen to the uh, X Men debate. Um, if, if I remember, yeah, cause like you guys did the X-Men debate and then it was, um, on your podcast and I got to hear it through the podcast. Did you watch it? We had the video too. You could see it. Oh, see, I forgot. I just listened to it on, okay. on my iPod constant and constant. I listened to it like four straight times. <laughs> and every time like Julian Lytle would come in, it would just get me all oh, hyped up. Oh, and excited. Oh, oh, dude, you gotta, you gotta go back and watch the video and watch Julian's, uh, whole thing when he and Bill go face to face. It's awesome. <laughs> um, I hope we do something like that. I don't know what we're going to happen. I know I... Well, it's, at last year I talked with Brian uh, Deemer about helping with some of the panels again with recording them and that. So, uh, in some way, we'll be at least I'll be involved in some way. I don't know if the full dudes will be there because, uh, frankly, I think uh, at this point I'm the only dude I believe who is 
even close to 100% sure to be there. So uh, we'll see what happens. Oh, no, completely more than understandable. And if that doesn't happen, you know, hey, I'll get to see you and we get to hang out. So um, it's, it's, it's way ahead, but um, any chance of uh, Action Lab or PK or both uh, making it to New York in October? Um, well, actually, um, there's something called Operation FUN. And um, I don't I don't really know uh, what it's all about right now, but I have to talk to um, one of my um, one of my business partners on the PKD side. And oh, the uh, first rule of Operation FUN, right, Sean? Yes, uh, you, 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 yeah, yeah. You don't talk about gotcha. Operation FUN. So the only reason I ask that is because uh, we have a better shot of getting more dudes at that than Super Show this year. So, uh, do I'm, I'm in, in all honesty, I'm doing all I can to uh, to get there uh, in 2011 because. Um, the number of shows I can go to next year is minimal. Sure. Um, I think it's like about four or five, but New York and San Diego are on that list. Good. Nice. So keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> so Absolutely. we will definitely have the Kickstarter link in our show notes. So anybody listening that uh, is not familiar with Kickstarter, the information, if you pull up the article for the show on hhwlod.com, the link will be right there, and it will bring you right to the donation page. Absolutely. Not to go Sally Struthers on you, but for less than a cup of coffee. No, seriously. <laughs> one or two dollars and we got this thing sold locked up for you, buddy. Yep. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I know it's gonna work I know it's gonna work out no matter what happens. I just I just appreciate all, all the love and support that that you guys give. It to me it, it means it means so much. So thank you. All right. Sure. All right, so are we ready to get into the festivities? Yeah. Yes. I will play something. Please do. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. You don't smell, I think you don't smell like Santa. <laughs> I think Elf might be my favorite Christmas movie now. <laughs> Probably should have done, you know what, in the future we should do like a favorite Christmas mom, uh, movie yeah. bit or something, but I think Elf is like... Die Hard. Yes. <laughs> Die Hard's my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> Take it away, Russ. Yippee ki yay. Yeah. So, like we have in the past, we we've all got um you know, we've got several categories um that we'll be going through and I think we'll just kind of go round robin and everybody'll just kind of throw out their thing and we'll be able to comment and make fun of everybody for what they either picked or left off or um or have to say. So our first category is what we actually want for Christmas. And this is something that's attainable and um, reasonable and, uh, and, and likely, possibly likely for us to get or, or within, within grasp. So I will go first. And the two things on, on my want list um, are I'm really, really jonesing for a good uh, DSLR, a, a, a digital DSLR. Yeah. Um, and I know Ken, you've got it. You've got a pretty nice one. Yeah, I have a, a, a nice Nikon, and that's it. Really made a world of difference. I've, I use it for quite a bit, especially um, uh, shooting the, the the kids' football games. It, it really gets some nice shots. Yeah, yeah it's super show. It almost didn't make it back home with you. You son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Nikon's put out a new. It's a D thirty one hundred, and um, it it's got a lot of. It's got a, a few nice little bells on the, the previous the d3000 doesn't have um and it's pretty comparable to the d5000 but one of the one of the big things that the 3100 has is full 1080p video mm. mode and it's, of course got, got one he might have gotten got that one because it sounds familiar 
Yeah, it's it's really nice. I mean, it's the same. It's it's very similar to the to the three thousand. But again, it's it's got you know the image stabilization. It's got you know, um, it's got I think the autofocus when you're in video mode. It does the autofocus, you know, continuous autofocus, which is really nice. But it has pretty much everything I've wanted in a somewhat budget um, DSLR. I mean, you, obviously you can go professional and get into the two you know two thousand dollar range. Mm-hmm. But this is a nice right around. I think Best Buy has it for like six six hundred six fifty. Um, you know, with the the standard lens and a case and you know all that good stuff. But I'm really, I'm really um, jonesing for one, especially with the with the little baby around now. Mm. Um, being able to, to take nice photos and stuff would be really, really sweet. Pop, pop, Latham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Grampy, um, Grampy Latham. One of the other things I'm, I want on my list that's that's not really out there yet, and and it's I think it'll be coming pretty soon. Is is a nice Android tablet, a nice 10 inch Android tablet um, yeah. that has the size isn't really there yet, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you know the Galaxy Tab is a little pricey, and it's seven inch. It's a little too small, I think, for for me. You know, I I'm not real. The camera thing would be nice, you know, front and rear facing camera, but that's you know whatever. I'm I'm not that. I'm not really going to be concerned about taking pictures with with a tablet. Um, I guess the front facing would be nice for video chat, but you know something that'll take an SD slot, um, maybe a couple USB ports so you can hook a keyboard up to it if you know if you need to prop it up and just do a lot of typing. Um, but something you know, really and truly, just to do email, um, to do you know some little bit of web browsing, and then something to read digital comics on that I could just kind of sit in my chair while I'm, you know, or sit in bed and just be able to to browse through because I'm not really one to watch or read comics on the computer screen, but having a little you know something that resembles a book in my hand um, that I I could that comics or you know like I said browse the web and do yeah. email with I think would just be be top notch. Um, if I could jump in one second, because that's on my list as well, so I might as well merge it uh, with yours. That's really what's making the difference for me with going digital or not. I can't, you know, I don't even have a problem reading comics on the screen, but I can't disappear to the basement where the computer is to read, you know, to read all the time. Right, if right. I can, just like you said, if I can sit on the couch with the kids who are watching TV or doing whatever and flip through my monthlies on a tablet. I mean, it's sold. Yeah, and I'm hoping that as that proliferates more and more, that maybe we'll see cheaper digital um, monthlies. You know, especially as more and more of them go day and date. I mean, a, kind of a separate topic, but you know, I'm not real enthused about two dollar uh, digitals. But I'm hoping that that that'll kind of creep down and maybe get into either the the dollar range or the dollar fifty range. But, um, you know, uh, it, but I've seen it's a good tangent to go on, and because we got the guy to have on with us right now to talk about that <laughs> you know but uh, you're right we should definitely say that for a topic for another day and invite sean back so those are those are my two my two items that um like i said i'm, I'm really jonesing for this year all right so Mr. i guess Morgan. this goes to me so yeah we were talking at the um, start of the show we we're talking with sean about um the morrison debate at super show and uh, i mentioned i videotaped it uh as well as recorded it so most of the things, or all the things on my want list, are all things to uh, to build up my uh, abilities in that area. I've been really geeking out on um, the technical side of things, and that's one of the best things about podcasting to me is uh, solving these technical challenges. So I have uh, two main things and a third minor thing on there. Uh, the first thing is I really want to upgrade my wireless microphone set systems. 
have these cheap $20 pair of mics, you know, not a lot of bells and whistles that I got off eBay a couple years ago. And they're passable for what they, they do, but they're, they're not the best. And I found a, a, a set, a system, I should say, from a company called VocoPro, which is big in karaoke circles. And they're UHF band, not VHF, like the, uh, the most, most cheap mics you find. And it's, uh, it's a four-microphone wireless system. It's, it's one like rack-mounted bass and uh, then your four wireless mics. But what I really like about it is it's modular. First off, they make the kit in two sets, two, two ranges. So you can buy each of the ranges and have eight mics available to you. And you can buy them one at a time. So you can you know, buy them in stages rather than spending all the money at once. And then the next thing I just found out is you can also buy um, a set of body packs for uh, like headsets or lavalier mics for, for lapel mics that yes. you can use instead of uh, a wireless, one of the handheld mics. So you can then mix and match them. So I'm like, oh, I could really get some good options here and just really have a, have a nice wireless system uh, to go with that. Plus they, and, and I've seen them, I've seen them online or in stores for about like 300 bucks for this base set. Um, the body pack set is about another 200 and so I'm like, I, I can do this piecemeal and really improve my, my abilities. And the nice thing is, because I have a mixer with four, um, what's called XLR, that's the type of you know, professional, that's the type of jack it uses. It has four of those inputs on my mixer. And what's nice is the system, it has four individual outputs, one for each mic, or it has uh, one output that mixes all four together. Now, I also have three wired mics, which means I could use that output, that single output mix as one. My other three wired mics, so now, boom, I've got like seven mics available to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, just want that, you just want that nifty new wireless lapel mic, so when we finally get that Marjorie Liu interview, you can ask her <laughs> if, she, if you can pin the, uh, pin the mic on her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what I want to do. Uh, so so that, that's number one. I really want to increase my flexibility with the wireless. I st- my, my, my grail with this is I still need to find a good portable receiver system so that I can be mobile with the camera. Like, this is fine with the video camera if I'm stationary somewhat and hooked into a base system like we did when we do a panel. But to walk around a show floor... Uh, I don't have a good wireless solution for that yet, so that's still my grail. At least not, at least not a cheap one. Like this is when I say this is three hundred bucks for this ba- this system at base. In the world of wireless equipment, this is cheap. In in the world of my personal budget, it's expensive. <laughs> but <laughs> but relative. Yeah, exactly. That's why I tell my wife. I told my wife about this. She's like, but it's three hundred bucks. I'm like, no, it's only three hundred bucks. The second thing, and and these two things as far as upgrading my abilities when recording. It's these are almost equal as far as each one will enhance an aspect of it. Is I want a good high definition camcorder, uh, but one of the key points it has to have a, an external microphone input. Uh, my camera now has that, and I can run a line out from my mixer to that. So whatever the mixer is hearing and recording on the on Audacity on the computer, the camera's also getting that in as well. That's how I did the the Morrison debate, which was a nice fun challenge because I also had a mix in with. Uh, the, the other camera and get that sound synced up. So I'm like, oh, I feel like a filmmaker doing this. Meanwhile, if someone like Brad saw that, they'd be like, you know, amateur. <laughs> um, but, but I need a good HD camcorder. Now, ha- but finding one with that, head- with that microphone jack um, has been tough. I've only found Canon so far. And up until a few months ago, they were starting in like the $500 range. They're starting to drop. And with the holiday season, I'm seeing them in the $300 range. So they're definitely getting within striking distance for me. So uh, that seems to be my magic number is 300 bucks, but it still takes me some time to get that together. 
Um, so they're, they're my two big things. And then the last kind of, well, whatever, but I can do that on my own, is I need to really um, add to my, uh, my stock of cables. Um, I'm limited by the length of the cable, and I think my longest cable is a 20-foot XLR cable for the mics, but then my individual patch cables are relatively short, so I need to really upgrade and get a bunch of, a bunch of variety of 50-foot length cables to really uh, improve my, uh, uh, my flexibility as to where I can set things up and where I can record from. But I can do that on my own at any time, but I just want to throw that in there. But between you and, and Russ uh, talking about the uh, digital SLRs and all this audio equipment and whatnot, I, I just want that stuff so I can just film my own web series. There you go. <laughs> you know, at the rate we're going with, with the right equipment and, you know, your writing and your ability and then Ziggo's filmmaking, uh, we, we could do that. We absolutely could do that. <laughs> yes, very um, true. And and I really, oh God, I'd love to, to have that as a challenge. I mean, I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm as far as an amateur as you could possibly possibly get. But it's it's been fun to learn uh, just in the slides how to do that. And it's one of those things like, you know, if only I knew about this stuff 20 years ago, where would I be now? Mm-hmm. So that's me. Uh, I'm not really a Christmas guy. Nothing against the holidays. Just, I don't know. I, I, I don't like the hustle and bustle. So when when this came up, I had to kind of put together a list real quick and – it was kind of right out of the blue. So this is all kind of off the top of my head stuff that, oh, yeah, I, I, could, I could go for that even though I probably won't get it. But um, the first one is kind of a cheat because it's not out yet, but it's the 3DS from Nintendo. Uh, right now I do all my portable gaming, and I don't do a lot of gaming these days at all, but I do all my portable gaming on an iPod Touch, and you know I enjoy it for sure. But I've heard really good things about the 3DS, and I'm not an anti-3D guy really. I think it could be really, really cool. So I'd like to get a chance to, even if it wasn't one of my own, one that I could play around with for at least a few hours. I don't know anything. Ken, you're usually on top of the video game stuff. What's the... It's a 3D portable gaming system? It's, it's, it's 3D without glasses, pretty much. There's a slider on the machine. You can switch the game from 2D to 3D. And uh, it's it's without glasses. It's kind of like looking into a box. Uh, there's some good uh, video of it on GamesRadar.com, actually. But it really doesn't get across the idea. And they're coming out with a buttload of uh, games for it, too. Yeah, it's going to be the successor to the DS, John. Now, yeah, is it going to be a successor or going to be another line? Like, is because of the 3D aspect, is it going to replace or work along, be alongside the DSi and DSi XL? From what I understand, it's going to replace it eventually. Be, you can still play the games 2D because, like Jim said, there's the slider. Right, right. So you can turn the 3D completely off or adjust it to a level that's good for your eyes. Now, is it um, going to have the screen size of the XL or is it going to be? Um, I doubt it. I mean, this, the, I don't, I don't think XL, so. I don't think, I was going to say, I don't think it's as big as the XL. I think it's, it's more comparable to the, to the regular, the, the model prior to the XL. Right. The, um, yes, the, screen, the top screen, the actual 3D screen, is, is uh, in wide, uh, almost like widescreen ratio. It's not in like the, the block ratio, like in the DS or whatever. Because right. um, up until the I'm interesting sorry. thing, well, the, the, real quick, the, the interesting thing about this is this is not Nintendo's proprietary technology. This is uh, Sharp's proprietary technology. So we could see the same technology, uh, the, the, you know, the glassesless uh, 3D in like in, in phones like yeah. soon, you know, soon I, after seeing the 3DS. I knew there was a company, and it might have been Sharp, that had been showing off or experimenting with glassesless 3D, but it was always on a small scale, and this kind of could be a proving ground for that. You're right. You know, there hasn't been anything on a, on a large scale, meaning like what you would find as a, in a television. 
Well, the problem with it is you have to be pretty much dead center where right. you're sitting. Right. So for a TV, if you're the only person who's going to watch that TV, awesome. If you want to watch TV with somebody else, uh, too bad. Yeah. You know, so it's an issue. I mean, eventually they'll overcome it probably. I mean, the but, one problem um, with 3D in the home for me in general is like when I saw Tron, every so often, like when the action might kind of go towards the bottom of the screen or something, and my peripheral vision would pick up the rest of the theater. And suddenly everything, my eyes are screwed up. Everything's out of focus. Like it takes me out of the movie for half a second or two until I can get re, re back on the movie. I can imagine that effect being that much worse at home with or without glasses. So that's, that's a challenge 3d at home has to come up, either figure out or the consumer has to be willing to accept. Right. The next thing I have on my list, and uh, this actually goes back to things that both Ken and Russ have brought up and uh, Sean was talking about too. I'd like a HD video camera. Um, right now, I do all my reviews, my uh, Lost reviews, Walking Dead reviews, comic reviews on my MacBook's camera, and that's fine. But I've always kind of had it in the back of my head that I'd like to write and direct something someday. And I'd like to get a chance to just kind of like play around with an actual decent i mean i don't need anything crazy but just an hd digital video camera that i can put on a tripod i can make up some rigs and uh and try shooting something with a narrative something something out of my normal um my normal wheelhouse so that that'd just be something i like to do and i think a hd video camera would be a good place to start and i don't have any kind of like brand or anything like in mind it's just a generic that would be cool and then i have a third little one and that is just a good bottle of scotch i have they ever actually had scotch? And granted, I could just drive down the street and buy a bottle, but... Johnny Walker Blue. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I like, I like alcohol in general. Listen, if you're going to have your... You've never had a glass of scotch. Never. Okay. Johnny Walker Blue, you're saying? It's $200 a bottle, but... <laughs> <laughs> There's a but? only scotch worth... I mean, if you're going to go out and buy black or red and it's going to taste like ass and you're going to spit it up, I mean, get, get the blue and experience scotch. Experience scotch sounds like the worst tagline ever for a marketing oh. campaign. Is that going to be your oh, right. uh, indie cover band? For- experience, yeah, experience scotch. That's more like a kind of a prog, experimental, jazz fusion type thing. So that's, uh, that's what I put on my list. So you're going to be like David Duchovny. You know, you go into law and then you're like, you know what? I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you just go Hollywood and blow up the spot. I, I will remember <laughs> this moment. I will remember this moment. Yes, I <laughs> It wouldn't kill me. No, I, I wouldn't mind being David Duchovny except for the whole addiction problems and stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, I'd go with Glenn Fittich if you're going to try some scotch. Not too shabby. Say, say that yeah. name again. Glenn Fittich. Okay. Actual uh, Scott, Scott, Scottish scotch. it's the way to go Um, the first thing I have on my list and I know Ken already has one of these but I don't and I'm really fascinated by like a lot of the hackability that I've seen is uh, the Kinect for the Xbox 360 oh yeah uh, it's pretty funny. My sister just started has a Kickstarter concern going on right now, um, making shift dresses, and she uses an algorithm to find like the way the dress should fit on uh, you know, a woman's body based on her measurements. Right? She her boyfriend is looking into Connect to hack that so she can scan the woman's body and then make the dress like try different dresses on her using the Connect. Interesting. Um, I've seen uh, different hacks. Also, there was one guy who was able to hack it to uh, make uh, motion control animation 
um, mm. by using the the tracking of the Kinect. And personally, I would I would just love to play with it. And when the inevitable Star Wars game comes out, I want to have it uh, at my disposal. So <laughs> yeah, we have it. Everybody loves it. Um, my my kids will be happy when we get a few more games on uh, on Saturday morning. Uh, but even my wife wants to get the dance game. She had some fun with it. Yeah, Melanie saw Connectimals uh, yeah. in a commercial, and she really wants that. Yeah, so. that's this one the kids are getting. I'm actually looking forward to that one because uh, my son, who's three, um, he he I haven't really he hasn't really tried playing the few games we do have for it, um, but he's he we wouldn't really have the. Uh, not the coordination, but the 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 presence of mind to realize exactly what's going on with him him that he's doing would correspond with what's with what's on the screen. Um, but connectable is something I'm sure he'd be able to figure out and be able to enjoy. So I'm looking forward to that for him. How long has we been out at this point? Uh, four years. Uh, it's yeah yeah coming up on five. It's amazing that two thousand you know two thousand six four years like it, the it, it came in the fall. When the Wii came out, I bet you can find a thousand podcasts of people sitting around going, and we're just waiting for that great Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Still waiting. Yep. I mean, they've had a couple of they had like that lightsaber duel game. I mm-hmm. bought that, and it and it was okay. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest. I mean, it was fun, but it's not there yet. What, one know? of the things with that lightsaber game, especially, was the Wii controller plus the little add-on thing that attached to the bottom of the Wii controller that made it like you know position accurate to really watch you know watch what you're doing and not just have these general motions. The developers of the Star Wars game, they're like, oh, that's exactly what we need for our game. Yeah, it's not ready for developers yet. It's like, well, then what's the point? <laughs> right. <laughs> the Wii has faked it really good for a long time because it, mm-hmm. it, it really doesn't track much. It doesn't track anything. It's all relative position in space, really, is what it is. It's got the accelerometers and the controller. Right. I guess what I'm getting at is, like, we play the – we have Wii and, and – we play like the sports sampler disc or whatever that comes with it, right? So, so there's a baseball game. So I stand there like an idiot in my baseball stance and swing the bat full tilt, and the little man on the screen swings the bat full tilt, and you hit the ball. My daughter sits on the couch uh-huh. upside down, flicks her wrist, yep. and the little man on the screen yep. swings the bat and hits a home run. <laughs> now compare that to, to the move. Now that's the evolution of the Wii. It's still a controller. But it's got the little motion sensor ball on the tip, and that's being tracked in its position in space. So that's a lot more like tracking than what the Wii ever does. Whereas now Connect is is revolutionary in that it's tracking you. It, it makes a skeletal map of you and tracks your position in space. Now the trade off is. On, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, real quick. I got to uh, actually play with the PlayStation Move. Uh, my friend got one actually, and the whole time we were playing, it was very Wii like what John was saying, where it's basically just flicking your wrist mm-hmm. or you know making the motion or whatever. But it fell out of calibration a lot. Yeah, like between player one and player two standing in front of the screen, it had to recalibrate and you had to re- you know reset your position and everything. Yeah. Whereas where I've seen with the limited time I've had with Connect, there's none of that. It like totally it immediately scans you. Sees where you are, you know, and, and recognizes right. you with it. I mean, it just, I don't know, it just seems like a more interesting technology to me. Yeah, the big difference between um, the Wii and the, and the Move compared to Connect is both of those track a device, and that's, that's enough, that's all it needs. Whereas the fact that it tracks you, the trade off is you need a wide open space to play. I mean, you need to move furniture or rearrange your room in order to work. That's good and bad. I mean, that's, 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 it, it, it gives you, I think, a much more uh, interesting experience because you're involved. Um, 
but it's bad in that, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. If you live in a tiny apartment or the Xbox in your bedroom, guess what? Connect's not going to work for you beyond maybe the voice control. And even that's, you know, not all there at this point. So, um, but hey, you know, over two and a half million sold at this point, if not more, um, it's doing just fine despite all that. Unless let's see what happens after Christmas when people open it up and realize, what do you mean I can't use it here? Well, that's uh, the first thing on my list. Uh, the second thing I have is uh, Absolute Planetary Volume 2. Now, something I wanted to, uh, a point I wanted to raise about this is that when Absolute Planetary Volume 2 came out this year, they went into a reprint of Absolute Planetary Volume 1, which had been selling for outrageous prices on eBay uh, prior to that. Um, and I'm hoping that that becomes a trend and that they go into second printings on some of the other absolutes that are harder to find and are you know getting a lot of uh a lot of cash on ebay but are super hard to find sean i know you have the the one um masters of the universe art book that you can't find or whatever this yeah. absolute absolute planetary was kind of my book like that uh, volume one so i'm so happy to see it you know that they came to a second printing hopefully that'll be a harbinger for them you know to come out with you know multiple printings of, of other absolute edition uh editions yeah i'm still on the hunt for that masters of the universe art book still and people are asking for ridiculous ridiculous amounts of money for it so i just have to just turn my head and walk away I, if I ever see it at a con, I'll snap it up for you, buddy. I promise. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and the third thing I had on my list, and I think I'm actually getting uh, one of these, uh, hopefully. Um, Shout Factory has come out with these sets of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 on DVD. And each of the sets comes with a figurine of one of the robots. Uh, there's one of Crow, one of Tom, and one of uh, Gypsy. And uh, the, uh, the Shout Factory not only went through and, like, cleaned up the prints of the MST, they also packed each uh, DVD set with a ton of bonuses, lots of extras, even a commentary track on some of the movies uh, beyond what the MST guys are doing. So uh, it's really cool, and uh, they're full of a lot of – I love DVD sets that are full of a lot of extra features. So uh, that's my third thing. Well, I can take that off my list. <laughs> see jim and i think you know jim and i are alike when it comes to stuff like mst3k and like b movies and all that stuff so i figured if i had something on here jim would definitely mention it and he got me so let me take that off all right um okay i just three little things um the first is a book it's the making of star wars the empire strikes back it's a hardcover mm. a book it just came out i, I want to say probably like a month or two ago and yeah. it's uh, by J.W. Rensler with a forward by Ridley Scott. And this book has um, interviews with the actors and filmmakers uh, recorded while the movie was in production, archival records, uh, new interviews, um, like, I guess excerpts from books that are now out of print that dealt with Empire Strikes Back, um, archival records, uh, yeah, newspaper magazine articles, pictures, um, everything. Um, there's a production sketches, on-set photos. I mean, it's just, it, for those that are just like big Star Wars fanatics, and especially Empire Strikes Back fanatics, and you just want to see all the things that you've never been able to see before behind the scenes, this book is for you. And um, this is something I really, really want. And, uh, you know, I kind of gave, gave the missus a few hints. I don't know if it's going to happen. But, but if not, I'm not worried because eventually it will be mine one day because I can afford it. So that is the, that is the first thing on my list. Um, the second thing is a B-movie um, uh, through uh, Shout Factory. 
there was a film released in 1978, and this was after the, the Star Wars craze, where you had all these, uh, you know, small studios making B movies, and uh, you know, just putting them out in movie theaters across the country. And this film was called Star Crash. And it was dude, like- stop right there! I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Marjo Gortner, Carolyn Monroe. I think it was filmed in Europe. It was like you know, a Euro trash version of Star Wars. Yes. Am I right? You are absolutely Oh, correct. dude, I did not realize that they brought that back on DVD. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Um, they released it. Uh, I want to say they released it around my, ber- my birthday back in September. And it also has a young David Hasselhoff in it, too. Um, <laughs> this, movie, this movie is pure corn. And, you know, I mean, they're using all the, um, all, all the, you know, the, the, the cheap film tricks in the book to you know, make this movie work. And it was produced by Roger Corman, if memory serves me right, because it served up as Roger Corman's, uh, Corman's cult classic series. So that's about like 20 bucks, but I, I definitely want to, I definitely have that on my list. And the last thing, and this is just goes back to my teenage years uh, and, and, and cartoons, um, Warner Brothers has done something really smart. They've opened up a division called the Warner Brothers Archive, where they have DVDs available that are that are basically uh, print on demand DVDs. So they don't have a bunch of stock just sitting there collecting dust. When somebody wants something, you order it, they make it, they ship it out to you. And one of my favorite cartoons of the '90s um, is a cartoon series known as the SWAT Cats, the Radical Squadron. Uh, two cats uh, named uh, T-Bone and Razor who go on these, all these adventures and have these cool gadgets and this really cool uh, uh, jet fighter. Five-disc DVD set, 26 episodes. It's twenty nine ninety five. I have been you know, dying to get that on DVD along with Thunder the Barbarian. So now this is, these things are now available on the Warner Brothers archive, and it's just great. So, and it's affordable, too. So those are the things that are on my list. Wow, that's awesome. I'll have to check that out, man. I have to reacquaint myself with Ookla the Mock. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's some, that's, some, that's some Jack Kirby, you know, Alex Toth created greatness right there. I, no doubt. Uh, I just love it. All right. I guess that's uh, my cue. Um, I spoke about the tablet when Russ was going. That was definitely the number one on my want list. The, the following, the, the two things left on my want list are kind of like missed opportunities that um, I'm just, it, I'm getting a little nauseous feeling in my stomach right now as I talk about them. Uh, the Alien Anthology Blu-ray set is awesome. We did an entire show on it. Uh, the transfers are great. The movies are great. The special features, the packaging, everything is great. In some lapse of sense... I skipped on the limited edition egg packaging. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, no. And when I bought the anthology set, it was ninety nine ninety nine, which was like a great price. It was on sale. It was supposed to be like one forty, whatever. And the, the egg, which lights up, and you press a button, and the discs come out of a box oh, in like slow-mo <laughs> from the basement. What? <laughs> yeah. It was one ninety nine, so I'm like, all right, am I gonna? I don't. You know what, Russ? Was it? It was one fifty. It was one fifty, right? Yeah, because we went round and round about. Oh hell, for fifty bucks more, I would have got that. Yeah, and hundred. I think about it. Yeah, you know what? I was the other one was a hundred. I was I had to justify the whole thing, and I buy myself too much crap, and 
I had like a moment of, of guilt, you know, like it, my mother embedded it in me in an early life and it shows up yeah. every once in a while. So I'm like, I'm just going to get the regular set. Hang on. What I would have done, knowing what that day was, you know, Blu-ray, Armageddon, whatever it was, not gotten the, the Back to the Future trilogy at that point, put it towards the other one for 50 bucks more and get, because you know Back to the Future is going to be around. Yeah, you know what else I was afraid of? I, I did it once, and I, I luckily backed out of it in time. I was so hyped for the Terminator 2 Skynet edition and mm. the one that came with the cyborg head with the eyes that lit up. Right. And, like, on the screen, it looked awesome. And it turned out to be, like, a plastic piece of crap. And I was afraid that the egg would be, like, a lot less impressive in person. But apparently that's not the case. No, it's not the case. It's very impressive. And uh, and Did now you... it's down to like 120 and I paid 99 for the regular set and the regular set's down to like 80. So 69. the whole thing right. So the yeah. whole thing is is making me upset. So uh if Santa hears this in time, I would like the egg and uh it lights up. Okay. Uh, also, this is a kind of a simple one, but again, a, a, a moment of stupidity. Uh, the lock and key hardcovers, and I know Jordan can, can speak about this. The Joe Hill, Gabriel Rodriguez comic book lock and key is pretty awesome. It's, uh, it runs in, what, six-issue arcs, Jordan? And then they will go... Yeah, like, six-issue arcs. Go- the first three are out now, and there's going to be six total. So it'll be 30, 36 issues, six hardcovers in completion. Right, and, and IDW does really nice hardcovers for them. They're, they're like, they're black. They, they don't have, like, a dust cover. They have a very plain sort of black cover with the emblem on it, and, and it's just a nice presentation, like a bookshelf book. And I guess they retail, I don't know, 24 bucks. I would say, twenty four ninety nine ish That's probably about right. So I'm at New York Comic Con, and it's, like, way too crowded, and there's people everywhere, and I'm, I'm stopping at all these booths and everything, and I see the volume one for 10 bucks, And I'm like, all right, I got to wait on this line for this $10 book. I start doing it, and then I'm like, you know what? If I buy number volume one, it's going to start the whole thing. Now I got to have all the hardcovers. I already have the floppies. I'm going to start buying these hardcovers. I'm going to want all of them. So I put it down. I turn the corner. Somebody's got volume two for 10 bucks. Now I'm like, son of a <laughs> I can't buy volume two without volume one. <laughs> I run back to the first place, gone. The one $10 volume one was gone. And I didn't even have the heart to go back and look for the volume two. So, yes, son of a- I would like all of the hardcovers anyway <laughs> after all that because it's so good. And I, I know... Uh, it's not in everybody's wheelhouse. Jim, have you ever tried Lock and Key? Yeah, I read the first arc, the first six-issue arc of uh, the recommendation of a friend. I really liked it. Yeah, it's very, it's very cool stuff. It's kind of a creepy horror-type thing, not something that I usually enjoy, but I really like this stuff. And we do have a show uh, coming up planned on the Lock and Key series. I think we're going to cross over with some of the Media Junkyard guys. That is the hope. That is hope, definitely. Yeah, so that so that should be a lot of fun. So look out for that. So that is my short list of things that I missed out on. John, I'm going to add something to my list based on that last one you had on your list because you just made me think of it. If you go to Gabriel Rodriguez's website, he's the artist of Lock and Key. Uh, there's a link to skeletoncrewstudio.bigcartel.com. They have $20 physical recreations of the Lock and Key keys. They have five different ones right now and some other ones coming later, it looks like, but... 
it's if you read those books and you like the designs of the keys, you can actually get a physical version of them, and they look really, really neat. Sweet. Will it work? Can I open up my head and take things out that I don't want to remember? Well, if you click on the head key, it specifically says at the end, not guaranteed to access repressed memories, eradicate emotions, or help cram for finals. All right. So that, that takes care of the wants. Um, next, next up on our list are the recommends. Um, so these are things that we would recommend for other geeks, um, you know, comic fans, etc., to, to you know, give our take on what they should get. And I have, I have a couple things. The first one is the X-Men Second Coming hardcover. Um, this is something I've, I've probably talked about quite a bit in the last year or so. Um, I think this is one of the best X-Men events in the last probably 10 or more years. Um, there's been a couple events recently in the X-Men universe that have been fairly good. But, but this one really, really was – I thought was exceptional. I thought the art was, was phenomenal for the most part. I thought the the pacing was was good. I think there was enough action, um, and it's it's gotten hard. I think it's forty bucks, and it's thirteen. I believe it's thirteen issues um, because there was like a kickoff issue, and then it flowed through um, four of the the monthlies for three uh, three issues each, and then there's like a companion hardcover that dealt with um, one of the spinoff miniseries, a one shot, and then uh, the X Factor. Um, crossover, which that that one's definitely secondary, but um, I, I just I just really you know highly recommend if you're if you're interested in the X Men um, or used to be interested you know liked them in the '80s and some of the '90s stuff, um, then I, I think you'd be happy with with what they were able to pull together, and and a lot of it was you know Fraction and uh, Zeb Wells and. Um, Mike Carey and those guys, you know, really coming together. Kyle and Yost, of course, my, my favorite, probably my favorite Marvel writers um, in, in recent time, pulling that together. So I, I can't recommend that storyline enough. And then the other one, and this is something that's a little older, so I'm, I'm kind of going to go a little retro on a, on a recommendation. It's something John and I have kind of been yakking back and forth about, and for whatever reason, I don't even know what it is. Maybe it's all this Age of X talk. I've really, really started getting nostalgic for the Age of Apocalypse and if you guys can find those trades out there, I think it's like three or four trade volumes. They're pretty needy. Um, but back in, I, think, I guess it was 93 or 94, um, Marvel took the and they all ceased to publish for four months. And each one was replaced with a corresponding title where Professor Xavier was killed way before he started the X-Men. And while, while him and Magneto were still friends, and they... Magneto took over, and Apocalypse took that that moment, kind of jumpstart his takeover. Um, you know, seeing that that gap there, and the world was changed completely. Um, and it was just a really cool experiment that Marvel did, where that entire universe was was kind of up, set upside down, and there were a lot of reinterpretations of characters, um, and and a lot of good stories that were told. And they've they've kind of gone back to it a couple times since then, but. Um, it's probably my second favorite or, or at worst third favorite crossover in comics of all time. Um, and definitely one of, one of the best X-Men series I think ever, ever laid out just because it was very, um, groundbreaking. You know, the rest of the Marvel universe at the time kind of went on about their thing. Um, but for them to literally take all of their books, cancel them and then, you know, quote, cancel them and rebrand them um, to tell a really, just a really well done story I thought was, was you know genius at the time especially in the 90s 
when there were a lot of gimmicks and and uh, you know tricks and things going on on that that people weren't exactly fond of. But, uh, but just a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stories. Quite meaty. Yes. Yes. All right. Is that it for you, Russ? That's it for me. Those are my recommendations. My, mine is is pretty sparse right now because, frankly, I haven't I haven't looked at a previews in six months, so I don't even know what's out there as far as you know that kind of comicy geeky stuff is. Um, I've had my head so much in uh, tech stuff and other stuff recently. Um, Frankly, for for anyone who's like into tech or into sound or you know that kind of stuff, everything I listed on my previous list of what I want is a great great gift. You know, the only thing that came to mind when I was looking even at what DVD sets are coming out or what's really catching my eye, and we talked about it a little bit earlier. So who knows? I'm probably stealing this from somebody else. Is with the uh, um, the release of the Family Guy uh, Jedi Return of the Jedi special. It's a trap. Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, the new um, the, the box set of the tr- the Blu-ray of all three um, is coming out as well. And I think we said that's only about like 25 bucks or something like that. Some crazy price for all three of them. So um, that's that that Family Guy set is uh, the big one because I think Blue Blue Harvest is the only one that has not been previously available as Blu-ray. Um, the Empire, something, 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 Dark Side was. But this is the first time that uh, Blue Harvest is available on, on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's... it's uh see if I can pull it up now. Twenty two ninety nine, laugh it up, fuzzball, the Family Guy trilogy on Blu-ray. Nice. <laughs> it's listed at forty bucks. That Amazon has it for twenty two ninety nine right now. So that's like ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, eight bucks of less than eight bucks a piece. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you gotta gotta. If you like Star Wars, get it. If you like Family Guy, get it. If you like them both, well, you you already have it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Jordan. Alrighty, I have a couple. Uh, the first one I would say is definitely the Lost Complete Collection on DVD or Blu-ray, whatever your preference is. Um, I have the box set. It is beautiful. You can check out my video review online. It is, it's, it's just beautiful though. If you, if you enjoyed the series, everything you liked about it is in here. It's got, it's just kind of a love letter to the series and everything that was great about it. It's got the little hidden things in there. It's got a hidden disc that I almost didn't even find in the box because it's that well hidden. Um, and every question that wasn't features. answered by the finale is answered in, in about 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and, and quite honestly, most of those answers you could have figured out with uh, a modicum of common sense, but for the people who didn't want to do that, you know, they're, they're right there on that answered for sure. You can't, well, I mean, people will still question them because people like to do that, but it's right there. So, um, yeah, that's my first one. My next one is what I, I don't. Can I, can I ask a question? Uh, you can, but I won't answer it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I understand this is, I'm going to watch the way I word this because I'm not questioning why you would buy this because I'm a collector of these type of things and I have the entire Galactica set and you know, I love it, and the plastic is still on it, but I have it because I love the show. <laughs> so I guess what I'm getting at is I know you were super, super into Lost. You probably watched each episode like a number of times as soon as it aired. You did your videos. You talked on the show with us about each Lost episode. Do you have the 
Uh, are you looking to rewatch yet? I know you've opened it and enjoyed all the stuff that it comes with. I know, is- I know we've opened it because he's gonna, he did an unboxing video right, of it. Exa- exactly, <laughs> but have you put one in a DVD player? Well, no, let me, let me start that over. I know you did because you're watching the features and stuff. Have you rewatched episodes is what I'm getting at. I rewatched a couple episodes from season six. Uh, I haven't done any from the others yet, although I, I have rewatched them on because I had the individual box sets for seasons one through five. So I had rewatched everything from seasons one through five already uh, since they've been released on DVD. I will eventually go back and rewatch it. It'll be a little while, but I, I figure this is the limited edition box set, whatever. I got it at a good price. I think I saved like 60 bucks on the day it came out. And, um, you know. There's no, 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 no. Th- I, I really wasn't questioning the purchase. I just, it's interesting to me. Like, I have the complete, you know, Buffy set because it's so nice and it was a great price, but I have not yep. gone back and rewatched any of them yet. So it's kind of like the struggle of the collector, you know? Like, I have a Seinfeld box set too. I love it. It's in a refrigerator with all the cool magnets on it. And like, I thought you were saying the box set was in your refrigerator at first. No, <laughs> no, no, it is the refrigerator. Honestly, well. you know well, what? I, I, John, I, I have so many complete sets of different shows that I have never gone back to rewatch. You know, at one point my wife and I started watching a show and then we just kinda got away from that. That I actually stopped. I have I have other incomplete sets because I realized how silly it was of me to continue to buy them because I never I never re- I never watched them. I have I have some that are one season shy of being complete. That said, I do intend to buy the lost sets. And most shows I wouldn't rewatch, quite honestly, unless like a comedy, like Arrested Development, I've watched a ton of times. Lost is kind of the exception. I loved it that much, and still to the end, I love the ending. Uh, I'm not not ashamed to say that. And you know, even though there was some, there's always things in every season that I didn't love. In general, I thought it was just a fantastic series. So you know, I'm sticking with it. Cool. Sorry, uh, I uh, interrupted you. No, 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 not at all. Uh, my next thing is one I just thought of as we were talking, and so I typed it into Amazon and found it. Um, the Sword from Image Comics. They just put out the complete collected deluxe hardcover, and it's on Amazon for, it looks like, $63. That is 25 issues, I think. It's 24 to 26 issues. It is one of the single best comics I've ever read. Basic story is the main character. She's in a wheelchair. Uh, she's an artist. One day she's sitting at dinner with her family when three people, three people or two people, had three people break into the house, demand that her father return the sword. He, he says he has no idea what she's talking about. And then they unleash uh, elemental powers in a world where that doesn't exist. And they kill her father with the power of uh, fire, of, of water and of air, I believe, uh, are those three. And her entire family's killed. The house is set on fire. She's left for dead. And as she falls through the, the burning floor. She lands on top of, not on the point of, but on top of a sword in the ground, which not only heals her wounds, it gives her the power to walk again, and she goes on a quest for vengeance to kill the three strangers who killed her family. Um, it's an incredible book. Right through to the ending, it's got an incredible twist at the end, uh, and that's not really spoiling anything because you won't catch it. You simply will not, even knowing there's a twist, you won't be able to figure out what it is. Um, the violence is brutal. And it's all around just an incredible book. I know the twist. <laughs> you do know the twist? I do. It was a dream. At the very end, she walks up and says, what's her name? What's her name, by the way? Uh, man. C- Cindy. I, Fine, it's Cindy. Yeah, my, I know it's not Cindy, but hello. it's something. My name is Cindy. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> it's not the twist. Um, 
the next one I have is some is something that I think we can all get behind, or most of us, I should say, can get behind. That is the Walking Dead compendium. Um, I have the individual trades, so I don't really have a need for it. But if I did not have them, I can't think of a better place to start in, in buying buying the book. Or you could be like John and I and have the individual trades and buy the compendium anyway. You certainly could, yes. yes. But I, it was when the zombie <laughs> When the zombie apocalypse comes, you're going to need something to bash zombies in the head with, and there's nothing better than the compendium. I'm thinking I'm going to use a bottle of scotch. <laughs> you, bet, you better be empty. Scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Especially uh, if it's blue, you better, better be empty. <laughs> yeah, okay. and that's what uh, that's what I have for to get people. I think uh, that's great geek gifts. Good job, Jordan. Thank you. I can't speak straight because of the beer, but aside from that, you'll be fine. I remember my first beer too. Anyway, <laughs> did we lose Sean? <laughs> I don't know what I did with my uh, uh, Skype view, but I, uh, I lost Sean's. Oh, there it is. Okay, go ahead, Jim. Uh, I have a few uh, um, geek suggestions as well. The first one I wanted to make was uh, Fallout New Vegas, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun with this game, especially after they uh, did the update that fixed some of the bugs that were in the game. Uh, it's by Obsidian, the people that made the first uh, two Fallout games, and it's using the engine uh, devised by Bethesda, who did Oblivion and Fallout 3. And it's set in uh, Las Vegas after a nuclear war, but the bombs kind of missed the Vegas Strip. And uh, the story is really awesome, and uh, the quests are really great. Uh, there are uh, there are a lot of really cool little uh, Easter eggs all through the game too. Like for instance, you can find the gun from Blade Runner. Uh, you can find uh, these two burned up bodies next to a farm, and their their names are um, Owen and Baru. Uh, at one point, yeah, after you tour a, uh, a factory and complete this quest, uh, you find a Q238 Matter Modulator. Uh, shout out to Marvin the Martian. It's this really weird, like uh, energy trying, gun. Yeah, I was trying to get the, the reference. I knew I had it. And uh, there are all these little Easter eggs all peppered through the game as well. And the, the stories are really cool. The environments are really, uh, really awesome. And uh, I know Fallout 3, a lot of it was like, very gray. And like you know, very um, um, a lot of wreckage, but uh, the the Fallout New Vegas has, is a lot more colorful. Has more of a palette, you know, uh, color palette to it. And it's really cool as you're playing the game. You can kind of see, you know, the Vegas Strip kind of lit off in the distance as you slowly make your way through the the wasteland to get there. Um, so it kind of like adds to the drama of the game. And the first DLC is coming out, I think, in a week, and it's pretty much uh, the Running Man. You remember the movie The Running Man? Right, 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 right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like you wake up with a collar around your neck with a bomb attached to it, and you have to run this circuit uh, for the amusement of others. So I'm now, pretty excited. Now, how does that connect to the that. dance exactly? How to do what? How does that connect to the dance exactly? <laughs> the Running Man. Oh, oh. Wah, wah. I and, refer and, to the I refer to the Schwarzenegger film. <laughs> now, if you continue on past. Owen and Brew, do you find the bodies of John Williams and the London Symphony Orchestra? <laughs> I think that would be even a better joke there. It's just cool to find out, like, while you're playing, just to stumble onto these things. It's, uh, Are there any uh, Ocean's Eleven nods by any chance? There's actually uh, one of the quests is you have to kind of assemble the Rat Pack. Really? Uh, the, the one <laughs> guy who's kind of the Sammy Davis Jr. analog is looking for um, for um, talent at the Topps Casino. And as you travel the wasteland, you find like one guy who's very much like Dean Martin and one guy who's very much like Frank Sinatra. Yeah. 
and you you know you all send them along this way, and then once you complete the quest, those four guys get together and do a show. That's kind yeah. of cool. Now there's, there's a, a see there's a lot of celebrity uh, voices in this as well. I know like like geek celebrity like Felicia Day from the Guild and Doctor Horrible I think is in there, and uh, I don't know the whole list, but I've heard there's a lot of celebrity voices in there. Have you encountered any of those? Uh, Colonel Ty is the first guy who nice. finds you at the beginning of the Cracking game. Guys Baltar. <laughs> no, it's Destro Terminator. That's who he is now. That's true, yeah. That's right. He's right. just got a fetish for eye patches, apparently. Yes, he does. does. Yeah, I was going to say, does his character have an eye patch in New Vegas? No, but he's a craggy old man with an attitude. So. Nice. <laughs> he didn't and really cast I think if you, far away, you know. So if you're listening to this on December 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve, I believe GameStop is still running the special this week where you can get Fallout New Vegas thirty nine ninety nine, which is $20 off the regular cool. price. Yeah, yeah. So it's a steal for a game that new. It's really, really odd to for them to run that. I got Plus, in a. You know, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, go ahead, John. I got it in the three used for two sale a couple weeks back, but I'm not allowed to have it until Christmas. An- another word for the 23rd <laughs> for me is payday. So uh, yes. maybe that might happen. Nice. I work for the state, so it won't be till the first. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of game, too. I'm, I'm like 40 hours into it, and I haven't finished it yet. So, I mean, there's a lot to do and see. Um, my, another suggestion I have is uh, the uh, trade paperback, oversized trade paperback of Wednesday's comics. I know I'm probably alone here in, in saying this, but I really enjoyed the Wednesday comics uh, experiment, whatever the DC did. Oh, no, I loved um, it, too. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, there were a lot of really cool uh, artistic pairings and a lot of mm-hmm. cool stories going on. And this oversized edition collects all of that, and you're able to actually, you know, see the art, uh, you know, as as really nice as it is. Um, I mean, Ryan Souk and uh, and um, I came with Dave Gibbons and uh, my, and Mike Allred, and uh, I can't even remember all the different uh, uh, Jose artists. Luis Gar- Garcia Lopez. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Lee Bramo. It, it is the most ridiculously sized hardcover I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I just had their 50% off coupon last week, and I used it to buy that. Um, so I can't look at it yet. Like John, it, it's waiting for me on Christmas. But, uh, but yeah, it's just it's, it's a behemoth of a book. You know, as, as big as that book is, from what I understand, it is not the full size as the original newspaper version, no. correct? Brian Deemer at Comic Geek Speak was talking about having the actual original issues be, to be bound. Now, I don't know if he has since done that because the bindery that most of us were using um, doesn't do comics anymore, and there's a big scramble of where to have them done. So I don't know if he ever did it or not. Um, but I can't imagine what that binding looks like, but it's got to be huge, obviously. That would be impressive if he actually was able to get that done. Yeah, that's just obnoxious. I don't know where you'd keep it. I mean, this would fit comfortably on a nice sized coffee table. Yeah, this would be. Um, uh, <laughs> could you read it on a train? <laughs> <laughs> you could hang, hang it from the ceiling or something. Oh, and... well. The last thing that I wanted to mention is um, uh, for a good gift for a geek would be a subscription to the newly resurrected elect- Electronic Gaming Monthly. Uh, now, I, I, I'm going to date myself now, but when I was a kid, uh, EGM used to come out every month, and there'd be like four or five hundred pages 
just as many ads as there would be reviews. And it was like pre-internet, like one of the few you know sources of information that you would you know be able to find about computer games and video games or whatever. And it kind of like lost its way there for a while. But the original publisher has come back, uh, brought it back not only in print form but also uh, electronically uh, online. Um, and also available, you know, for iPad and for Android. And the online component has just as much content, if not more, than the print uh, component, which I like. And if you buy, like, say, you go and buy a magazine from the, uh, you know, from the stand, there's a code inside that gives you that month's worth of electronic uh, um, material. And uh, but if you subscribe, you get full access for a year to the electronic and the um, and the print versions. So uh, I'd like to shut that out. It's a pretty reasonable. Uh, I know print is kind of on the way out, but the the electronic version of this magazine is, is worth uh, reading just as much as the print version. Nice. And that's what I've got. All right. Um, let's see here. I got a couple of things um, out as far as like recommendations go to all, of, all to all of the kung fu and martial art and movie enthusiasts. Um, take out the time and uh, pick up a copy because now it's officially part of the Shaw Brothers Kung Fu Collection. Uh, the Kid with the Golden Arm, one of my favorite martial arts movies of all of all time. <laughs> Oh, and it's 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 just classic. This is the enhanced edition, so I guess that means it's a nice clean print. They cleaned it up. Um, you get to see a um, a drunk a, a, a drunken uh, kung fu martial art, a drunken martial artist who can handle a wine wine jar like nobody's business. Um, the kid with the golden arm, whose arm is basically indestructible and can uh, withstand any attack, and uh, such characters as Brasshead and Iron Spear. And it's just all-out fun, some of the coolest uh, martial arts battles I've seen on film. Isn't gold a relatively soft metal? Yes. Yes, it is. And you have, you have, that's a valid point. But in this movie, that's not the point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. Um, it's, one of, it's one of my favorite martial arts films of all time. And it's actually, actually legitimately available now. It's, it's a legitimate copy. So yeah, that, that was one of those, like, flea market bootleg legends you know like you couldn't you couldn't get that on a real print so that's awesome oh yeah it's so it's great so and it's not expensive either so i definitely would recommend that um also for uh comic book fans um if you like to know like some comic book history there's a book by tomorrow's publishing came out a couple years ago called the dark age grim great and gimmicky postmodern comics and it delves into like the late I'll say like the mid to late 80s all the way up to the 2000s. So it goes through, you know, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, uh, Todd McFarlane, McFarlane Spider-Man, the Image era, um, you know, the Polybag comics era, the, you know, the, the comics Fallout, and, you know, and all the way up to, yeah, yeah about 2000. So it's written by Mark uh, Voger, and it's by Tomorrow's Publishing. So if, if, you, if you want some comics history, take a look at that book. It's, it's actually a very, very good read. And to um, to the fans of Jack Kirby, like myself, um, check out also by Tomorrow's Publishing uh, the collected Jack Kirby Collector. They where they take uh, a few like between three to four issues of the Jack Kirby Collector magazine, and they uh, put them in a collection. Uh, those are about eighteen between fifteen and eighteen bucks a piece on Amazon.com. You might want to take a look at those or Kirby Five O celebrating fifty years of the King of Comics. Um, which, which right now retails for about fourteen eighty nine. So, those are my suggestions. 
Very cool. Nice. All right. Yeah, I actually read that book, The Dark Age, uh, from our local library. Oh, really? And it was very interesting. Yeah, it was, it's a good recommendation. Cool. I have uh, a video game, a Blu-ray, and a comic for my uh, recommendations. I'll start with the video game. The new Super Mario Brothers for Wii and DS. It is so much fun having Super Mario Brothers in uh, in a new format. It's basically the same game, updated graphics and controls and things like that. But basically, Mario jumping up on pipes, uh, avoiding plants and mushrooms and things like that, looking for coins. This is the one that uh, came out last year. I don't know when. In a red box? Uh, you know what? There's like an anniversary one. The one I saw is called New Super Mario Brothers. It might be the same thing in different packaging. All right, cause, yeah, that, that one I got last year. Yeah, because there's another Mario game that just came out this year, but that's a, a repackaging of the original NES games. Right. Yeah, So, and just I'm just glad to see all, all of that stuff. And, like, I'm really... You know, my kids are young, and now they're they're getting into their DS and playing Mario Kart and stuff. And now to have this and be like, you know, let me see that. You know, I used to play this when I was a kid and, like, know how to play. And they're just in awe that, like, I had it when I was a kid. And we play along together and stuff. And, and, and it's been a lot of fun. And it's nice to be able to have that connection with the stuff that they're playing, you know. So... I was glad to see those come out, and I recommend them. You know, for for geeks that are playing like handheld devices, or I think it's Wii and DS that they're out on, right? Because it's only Nintendo, right. obviously. So, right? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny the way you said. Um, uh, you know, your kids are in awe because my kids are the same way. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to play this game when I was a kid or whatever. And then they'll they'll come back to me and they're they're watching like something on TV. It's like, Dad, did you have Phineas and Ferb when you were my age? Like, no, that that we didn't have. <laughs> I wish we did. Yeah. I know what we're going to do today. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> my my son, my son got a little. Uh, we got him a little pack of uh, those fancy fur figures. A little like like very little articulation, but there's a lot, of, a lot of fun. He got them. He got them from Santa at a party yesterday. Uh, nice. But this morning I'm getting up and he's already up and I hear him in the other room with uh, playing with him and all I hear is I'll get you, Perry the platypus. <laughs> little three year old <laughs> just playing. He's having just being three. You gotta love it. It's great. For anybody who has no idea what we're talking about, Phineas and Ferb is a Disney XD cartoon that it's is awesome. totally doing the cool enough for kids and smart enough for adults thing. Yeah. Very cool. Next, I have a Blu-ray. Shocking, I know. Uh, I have the BBC Sherlock Season 1 Blu-ray to recommend. This is an updated Sherlock Holmes and John Watson. Uh, it's a new television series uh, out in England, of course. It's a BBC video. Very, very smart. It became like an overnight hit, and uh, they're gearing up for season two. I totally recommend the season one. Uh, One thing that was very interesting is it's only three episodes. It was a very short, if it was even a first season. I haven't looked into it enough. It might have been a miniseries that turned into uh, an ongoing television series. No, each episode's like an hour and a half long, though, right? Yeah, they're long episodes. Um, and the one very cool thing about the set is they give you the unaired pilot. So you get the unaired pilot, which is the same script as the episode one that you would watch next, but totally with the tweaks and shot differently 
And it was just like amazing to me. I love that kind of behind the scenes stuff. I loved seeing the unaired pilot and then what they decided to change for the actual episode one. So that was really cool. You get the other two episodes as well. Really smart. One thing I liked about it was uh, a lot of the complaints about the Sherlock Holmes movie with um, Robert Downey Jr. was that it wasn't really a mystery. It was an action movie. And then at the end, they just kind of like spilled the beans and like you could never figure it out. You know, it was just they just threw the ending. Yeah, right. That was my big problem with it. Yeah. Right. So this um, you can actually it's a mystery is what is what I'm getting at. You know, I don't know if they give you enough that you'd be spotting clues along the way to solve it. But it's more like a Scooby-Doo thing. Like the person at the end, you saw him or you knew him. You could figure it out and play along. Um, So that's really cool. I I totally recommend that if you're looking for something new to try. It goes for about, I think I got mine for like 23 bucks if you hunt around, which isn't bad for for the hours of content, even though it's really only three shows and one unaired pilot. And finally, I'm going to recommend Kevin Smith's Green Hornet, Volume 1. And this totally took me by surprise. I know a lot of people are down now on Green Hornet because the trailers have been kind of crappy and the movie looks like it might be crappy. But this comic book was really fun. It was totally like old school Batman, even some campy stuff. I mean, they're like uh, the building for for the newspaper that they work at has a giant typewriter like prop on top of the building and at one point green hornet is like tied to the key of you know and and eventually this typewriter which is like animated is going to hit the key and he's going to die on the giant typewriter <laughs> of the building he's going to get smashed by it and it's just a lot of fun you know it felt like somewhere between the old Batman TV show and, you know, the Batman of today. Like, not so serious, but, you know, serious enough that it's a, and, and fun. Jordan, I think you read the Kevin Smith issues, right? The first, what is he, the first nine or so? First time, yes, I did. I mean, I, would you yeah. agree? Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's the best comic book I've ever read, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, it was definitely enjoyable, self-contained. You don't know, need to know the original Green Hornet story. They catch up in the first issue. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, the art's really good, too. I forget who it was off the top of my head, but um, really kinetic and conveyed the action very well. Yeah, you do get good action. I mean, they, they go with the – there's a new female, Kato, who's kick-ass. You know, yeah. and There's a lot of like martial arts and kung fu action and gunplay and stuff, and it was just a lot of fun. And you got to love the scene where Greenhorn is trying to update his costume, and they go through a whole bunch of iterations. That's, that's just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, almost, it almost reminded me of – from Lois and Clark – where they kind of do the thing in the in the first episode where he's trying all the different variations of the costume before he settles on the the red, yellow, and blue. Same kind of thing. He except for these, he actually goes out and fights crime under those outfits, and then comes back and changes it up. So it's like his first six or eight adventures. I guess they've kind of flipped through quickly, but he's all in these crazy crazy costumes. Yeah, and it uh, they're doing Dynamite's doing a pretty cool thing with the Green Hornet property. They're building like a whole legacy. They have the Green Hornet Year One, which follows like the classic Green Hornet and Kato. And then there's the current, which we were just talking about. And then there's the Green Hornet Strikes, which is basically Batman Beyond. Now, how is that one? Have you read that one? I've, I've, I've read the first five or six, and it's good. It's a futuristic Green Hornet. You know, they go a lot more with the tech gadgets because it's based in the future and everything. 
um, it's pretty cool. It's, I would compare it to, uh, you know, a Batman Beyond. He, he is uh, mentored by the old Kato. And uh, it's, it's good. It's really good. The year one is Matt Wagner. So you know you're getting quality writing in that as well. So That's awesome. See, now I've got to check those out. I, I've got, like, the first issue of the Kevin Smith uh, Green, uh, Green Hornet. And that's all I that's all I have. But then again, if I had them all, they'd still be stacked up with all the other books I haven't had time to read yet. But, um, you know, a glowing endorsement never hurts. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's my that's my recommendation. Cool. So next is stuff we would like, but we can't afford. And um, so I, I won't belabor this too much for me. Um, no surprise. I probably had this on a previous episode as well. But my my holy grail is uh, Giant Size Ekman number one. If I could have one thing for Christmas um, without regard to price, it would be a... For all the children of the world to come together and... Yes. <laughs> and sing and harmony. First bit um, for the kids. It'd be... Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just a decent copy. You know, not even like mint condition, you know, Giant Size, but just, you know, a decent reader copy. Um, that would be... I, I would just pass out um in excitement for for receiving that so that's that's my my big can't afford mr morgan uh i'm considering it because uh based on that the the the, the one big thing i would love that i can't afford is action comics number one but the more realistic thing that uh i want but I can't afford it would be a full complete set of all of the dc's blackest night hardcovers either the ones dc produced or just nice. to get my own bound uh, which is what I would pre- probably pre- prefer to do because um, if you know what they did, all the different – the main series and the mini series and the in Green Lantern, Green Lantern Core series are all bound in the hardcovers individually from DC. Whereas as the event was happening, I took every issue and kind of kept track of them. So I have a good chronological order of not only when things come, came out but also where they actually appear in the story. And I would bind them in that order, so it would be a nice full chronological reading order uh, of all the books, not just all the Blackest Night proper, then all the Blackest Night, you know, Titans and all the whatever. Um, either way, though, at this point, I just can't afford them. Of course, I can't afford those other things I want from uh, two categories ago either. All right, so that that is my can't afford. Uh, who's up next now, Jordan? Mr. Gilbert. All right, so I have three things on my can't afford list. The first one is Oren Ishii's Yakuza Table from awesome. Kill Bill. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, that it's it's. I don't really know how to explain it over the radio here, but uh, it, the, that black table with the lights and the sand. Uh, I just love the design of that, and someday I would love to have that as my kitchen table. Uh, the second, we've already gone over this multiple times, but a tablet. I'd love an iPad. Uh, maybe the next generation, but. Um, just awesome. I don't really need to explain that one. And the third one, I've played drums for about five and a half years. I have a old, I say old, it's probably about 15 years old, but a Remo drum kit. Most people think Remo, they think drum heads, but for a time they actually made shells as well. So that's what I have. I would like an electronic drum kit though. Uh, where I live now, it's just not very conducive for all the noise. An electronic drum set would make it easier to practice, to record, and uh, just to mess around with. So that's... Uh, that's one of those things where you need to put in quite a bit of money to get a, a good one. But one of these days, one of these days, I'd like to have the money see, to get an electronic drum kit. See, when you say Remo, I think of Fred Ward and Remo Williams <laughs> and Adventure of the Games. That, that, I, can't, I can't not think of it. 
Well, when a drummer thinks Remo, like when I tell when I tell other dr- drummers I have a Remo kit, they they look at me like I'm an idiot, thinking that I'm looking at the shell or looking at the heads and giving them that name. But no, it's actually it's a it's a Remo kit. Right now, Jordan, I got to ask you a question. Please tell me that you got Russ's reference. Remo Williams? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. I didn't. I, I knew you're young. I didn't know you were that young. I get a lot of references, even if I haven't seen things or wasn't born within three decades of it coming out, or you know. I work with people who wouldn't have gotten that, so of course they also don't know who Benny Hill is either. So they're also not on a podcast. Well, yeah. And Joel Gray as Chun. <laughs> yes. John Janeway was in it. Yeah, that's true. Oh my gosh, she was. Right, yeah. She was the sex appeal of that movie. That should tell you something. <laughs> Anywho, the things I have that I can't afford, uh, I echo Jordan. I would love to have an iPad. Pretty much just for reading digital comics, I got to use the, the Marvel app on my, uh, my sister's uh, iPad. And it's super easy to use. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I would love to be able to read my comics that way. And uh, Nintendo DS XL, uh, something I've realized that a lot of the uh, old school... Um, Japanese RPGs that I love so much have been have come out on the DS, and I, I really like the bigger screen of the XL. Uh, but I just bought a new oven for Gypsy, so I'm not going to be able to afford that this Christmas. Um, let's see here. I'll tell you what. I, I know what it is, and I'll tell you right now because every time I see it, it just hurts my heart because my wallet starts crying <laughs> anytime I, I walk hmm. by it. It's the Star Wars Vintage Collection uh, at at. All-terrain armored mm. transport, and in, mm. like the and like depending on what store you go to, um, it will be like in the exclusive old school packaging. But they use the new, you know, the new toy. But they use the old school packaging to get you all excited to bring up old memories. But this at at is decked out. It is like the pimp my ride at at for at ats <laughs> because not only do, not only do you get this nice detailed at at, but you know it opens it opens up. Um, it comes with a bunch of figures. It comes with a couple of figures. It comes with a speeder bike, yeah, uh. a speeder bike. And I, I saw this at a Target. I saw it at the Toys R Us. Um, no, I didn't see it at Target. It was at Toys R Us where I saw it. Um, I saw the Millennium Falcon somewhere else, and that made uh. me cry. But um, why that? Yo, yes, yeah, so do so do I. Um, but the, this at at is amazing. I still have my my original at ad. It's actually up on my bookshelf. I'm looking at it right now. And I, I was going to say, it. I'm looking at my ad ad right now <laughs> as well. I have an old school one from 1980. See, Jim, I think we are like distant cousins or something. But um, we but, look so much alike too. That's exactly, way distant. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I look, I look at you know the old school ad ad, and I look how detailed and great this new one looks and. It's just it's that's awesome. So that that's pretty much the only thing on, on my list is uh, the ad ad, and I'll throw the Millennium Falcon on the side. They are both worthy. Yes, sweet. All right, things that I want that I sure can't am. afford. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> yes, I am going to uh, send everyone now to PropStore.com. Uh, this is a site with the ultimate movie collectibles as their tagline. Things that are catching my eye. How about an inglorious bastard's Nazi scalp? 
<laughs> How about, uh, how about nice. Return of the Jedi B-Wing pilot helmet for oh $4,495? An actual, Jeez. you know, prop used in the movie. How about <laughs> for $2,000 a burnt flesh, a, a facial appliance that was used on Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 3? It's the burnt half of his face from Terminator 3. <laughs> It can be yours for $2,029. The, the Terminator one- 2 Judgment Day Endo Skull prop replica is sold. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, my favorite, just looking at the front page of the movie props, besides Ron Perlman's leather suit from Blade 2, I would like the Punisher flak jacket with the white Punisher emblem spray-painted on it from the movie. Yes, for the actual vest worn by Thomas Jane with the Punisher. Here's something a little more affordable. The Inglorious Bastards KMB EFX EFX Crew T-shirt. Crew T-shirt for $95 for Mm. a T-shirt that was worn on the set of Inglorious Bastards. The Alien Ship Blueprint. Is awesome as well. That's reserved, so somebody's getting the cash together for that. Ocean's <laughs> Eleven Mirage Casino Security Key Card, $495. A piece of laminated plastic you can buy a replica of on any of the spinner racks at any convention, <laughs> except this is the authentic thing for $495. How about a battle droid head and arm all set? Right. We can do this Eight, all day. $8,745. <laughs> Oh, That's it. Wow. I would like anything from the aforementioned site. All right. So now we get into this. This is kind of a little fun part of the show where we can kind of kind of be a little irreverent here and talk about who's made us happy and who's pissed us off. So I will start with the naughty list. Do you want to do um, one at a time or you want to do them both? Just get them both done. Just asking. Um, Give your naughty and your nice. Yeah, do naughty. Yeah, let's nice. do that. Yeah, yeah, let's do. We'll do. We'll do. We'll do that. We'll do naughty. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna start with the naughty side, and I've got two things on each. Um, my first. My first on my that made my naughty list this year is the Texas Film Commission. The Texas Film Commission, after approving Robert Rodriguez's script for Machete, decided to go back and not give him his tax breaks for filming Machete um, after seeing the film as it was released, because it quote. Portrayed Texas in a negative light. I say it wasn't even set in Texas. It was set in uh, Arizona, wasn't it? Or New Mexico? Yeah, but it had something to do with like, or or it it wasn't just Texas, but it was Texas or like the government or something like it. Like it portrayed a senator in a negative light. Anyway, they they approved the script. They told him he was good for his his tax breaks because. and you know, again, after it was filmed and, and released and everything was done, they decided to not give him his tax breaks. Is, is that usually um, a stipulation of the tax break that you can't it, offend the government? According to th- th- what Texas has done, is they've set up a fund um, that they appropriate in, to try and bring film business into the state. And right. Rodriguez um, has done a very, in my opinion. You know, for the local economy, for the Texas economy, he's he's been a pretty big proponent of trying to build up the Austin area, um, as far as movie and filmmaking goes. So, so apparently, the Texas Film Commission is part of their stipulations that is in there. Um, but, but I guess what's aggravating people is the fact that they reviewed the script and they were fine with it, 
and it wasn't until it was after it was filmed that they they went against it. So I, I think it's bad yeah, it's for the bad. state. You know, just who's going to want to come and film stuff or think they're going to get a you know a tax break and and then not get it. So anyway, that's my naughty. List. My other naughty list is the Sci-Fi Channel for recently announcing their cancellation of Stargate Universe. Son of a, you knew that was on my list, and you called me on <laughs> it. You not. son of a. <laughs> I did not know that. No, Bull. Bull, you did do that because you, as soon as I put that on my list, you said, what the hell? How did I miss this? Oh, I didn't realize that was your list. I thought you were just saying that. Busted. No, on on your email where you said, what the F, how did I miss this one, is the quote from mine which says, someone for your naughty list. Sci-fi for canceling oh. Star Universe and telling the cast and crew via Twitter. All right, back up. I'll, I'll can that one. Well, that oh, sounds no. like you were suggesting oh, no. he put it on his list. Oh, no. Oh, no. Please, no. Let's keep this all in so everybody can hear hear this nonsense, and let's just go with that. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, come on. That whole thing was... Or a mean one, I have not heard Ken told- F fired up. I mean, I've heard Ken fired up. That was almost like Samuel L. Jackson, a time to kill fired up right there. <laughs> Okay, so now for my nice list. They both deal with animation. One is DC Animation for pumping out regular releases. Um, Over the last year, we've had a lot of, I think, solid uh, content coming out from the DC Animation side between Under the Red Hood um, and the, uh, you know, whether whether you, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down it, but the... uh, the recently released Superman Shazam. We had um, Superman Batman Apocalypse, which again they're they're kind of creating their own little mini continuity, bringing back the voice talent, um, which is which is um, uh, a, a nice um, it's a nice contrast to the Marvel side, which hasn't really done anything since Planet Hulk. So um, so kudos to to DC Animation. My other animation uh, side is, and this is a kudos to Marvel, not on the not on the home release side, but on the uh, regular series side is Ur- Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, and I think that's turned out to be just a really, really solid piece of animation. I think it's it's mostly you know kid friendly, not maybe not little tiny kids. They've still got uh, Superhero Squad, but but definitely you know maybe in the in the seven eight plus range, and then the adults. I think they're they're pulling a lot of stuff in, um, and I think they've just done an outstanding job of writing and and making it smart. So that's my naughty and nice. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I agree with all that. And uh, even on the DC side, the Young Justice was good uh, for mm. for a TV series, and uh, the Marvel stuff's been great. I've really been enjoying it. Right, I guess it goes to yeah. me, right? You're not still too mad at me. Well, my my, I will, just to add to the Nautilus conversation because that, that is the only one I had prepared was, uh, you know, and the way I phrased it, as I said, was sci-fi for canceling Star Universe and telling the cast and crew via Twitter because the reason I say that was. Um, one of the retweets in the in the hour, couple hours after uh, at Sci-Fi uh, first tweeted the news, someone else tweeted and then got retweeted how I read it. A crew member said, "Gee, thanks for letting us know uh, via Twitter, not telling us ahead of time." So that that's where that part comes from that they that they all found out via via Twitter. Um, let, let's let's put this in perspective. Basically, they wrapped up season two as far as filming, which means whatever storyline or however they planned to end it, that's how it's ending. So basically, the series is just going to stop. Uh, there won't be any chance to wrap it up or do their storyline. Uh, the justice, at least when SG one was uh, was canceled, they canceled mid mid production, so they were able to tweak their shooting schedule and uh, at least finds if not closure at least set up 
the movie, which in, which then finally closed it out. Um, or even Angel, where they had nine episodes to scramble together uh, a finale. Instead of a, se- a season finale, they had to come up with a series finale. Stargate Universe won't even have that opportunity. Um, but another way is the cast and the crew and the people who, who make their living. And who, granted, when the series ended or when production ended, they didn't know yet if it was coming back or not. Uh, they basically found out via Twitter that they were laid off right before Christmas. How does that make you feel? Uh, later on, Sci-Fi did tweet that, no, we didn't notify them via, everyone via Twitter. The press releases started going out ahead of time, and we started doing that to react to it. Okay, fine. So you released press releases before you told the cast and crew that they yeah. were coming back. What's the difference? Um, I can go on and on about how some of the uh, tweets coming from the cast um, are blaming illegal nihilists, things like that. It's like, no, the problem is... Um, I, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but the pro- the problem is that the system for television is flawed, especially on uh, at their level on cable, where they don't get the numbers that a network does. Um, and there's so many people watching online in any way, Hulu, Netflix, whatever, um, that don't, or even DVR usage that don't get counted fully in any kind of ratings. That you're not getting accurate numbers, or at least not enough for the advertisers to acknowledge the right way. So I think they're using illegal downloads, which is a problem, but they're using that as a scapegoat to a bigger problem, which is to say that the current system is broken as to how you measure viewership. But that's the end of my rant for that. I can go on and on. Yeah, I think uh, just one more thing on that real quick. It also seems like sci-fi is being a little soft on Stargate in general because I heard some reports, and I don't know how official it is, but it doesn't look like you know we'll get even a Arc of Truth type wrap-up no. for Universe. No, and they, yeah, they, they are quick basically- to say that they don't make the shows yeah. – well, you know what? If your money's not there, it's not getting made. You're the major partner. Right. It doesn't matter how much right. Sky One wants to put into it. If Sci-Fi's not there, it's not getting done. Right. So yeah, they they're they're quick to say, well, we don't really make it. It's up to the production company. But yeah, if your money's not there in it, buddy, sorry. So no, I think they're out of the Stargate business, and they're putting all their effort into Blood and Chrome right now. And um, we'll see if that goes. But you know, hey, they also canceled. Um, Caprica, which you know, I heard was very good, but at least, at least, uh, Universe got two seasons. And they're also investing a bunch of money into their own uh, feature film. Oh yeah, we got to have another Sharktopolis. You know, see, but now now they're going now they're going to, need to, going to actually uh, put stuff in movie theaters now. Yeah, and 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 this will be the wave. Of, uh, and I didn't didn't mean to interrupt, but this mm-hmm. will be the second coming of. Of uh, now these television studios now investing in the uh, market of making full length feature films for for cinemas. This used to be prevalent in the uh, some of the sixties and some of the seventies and early eighties. A lot of networks worked in conjunction to put movies in movie theaters, and then it went away. But see now after HBO made a ton of cash, um, you know not only are they I mean granted they're not in the movie theaters, but they basically built their own studio from their own pay cable. So now network television and cable television is like, well, they built this by doing this, so why can't we do this at the movie theater? Stars has its own, has its own uh, 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 motion picture company, right. and they put out a couple uh-huh. movies last year that were, that were successful. So you're going to start seeing more and more of that. CBS Films does it. You know? So mm-hmm. they just had a, an action film with The Rock called Faster. And you know, a lot of these films don't cost a lot of money, so they hope that they can pull out profit, you know, whether it be through streaming or you know, or aftermarket, right. but yeah, you're going to you're going to start seeing more of that, and because of that, stuff like Stargate Universe is going to get sacrificed. Yeah, 
Uh, so moving on, my nice list. I have one for my nice list, and it might be a surprise to some people, because um, especially considering the news we got last week. But John Favreau is my is on my nice list because I simply want to take the opportunity to him, even though he will never hear this, to say thank you for Iron Man, thank you for Iron Man Two, thank you for keeping such great stewardship of the Marvel characters in your producer role for um, the Incredible Hulk, for Thor and Captain America and continue with the Avengers. Hopefully you will be able to stick around as producer um, for whatever happens with the eventual Iron Man 3 or the other other properties, because frankly, without his vision of this world, there wouldn't have this consistent feel among them. Not to say someone else couldn't do a better job, but it was in fact him who did it. Uh, He who did it. So thank you for what you've done. I hope you're able to continue in some way to guide the ship. Really, John Favreau is to the Marvel movies what... um, Jeff Johns is becoming to uh, DC outside of the comic page itself in their multimedia. And uh, thank you, and good luck with the Magic Kingdom. Mm. So that's my nice. I'm going to start with my nice list. Uh, I'm a pretty optimistic guy, so I, I generally think of people in a good light. So thinking up of a good or a nice list of people that I think of in a particularly good light was kind of difficult, just because who stands out. But uh, I'm going to put the pizza place in my area. On, on this list because Pizza Barn has great uh, buffalo chicken pizza. They have great Hawaiian pizza. They have great buffalo wings. They have great uh, cheesesteaks. And quite frankly, I enjoy them. And it's a shame I recently moved closer to them because I'm there all the time and my waistline is reflecting that. It's but, a shame that they name themselves Pizza Barn. Well, it's apparently barn-style pizza. I don't know what that is, but it's made a thing. By, made by made by animals i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know but th- those animals are doing a damn fine job so and they came two by two to the pizza bar and <laughs> something like that it's actually think, does it have a it does have like barn animals painted inside i don't think it has an arc theme exactly but <laughs> and for my naughty list i have those bitchy fanboys look i understand you have a great affinity for your cartoon characters and your your classic movies but i don't give a that they changed one minor detail in the movie adaptation or that he didn't fool the pay, pay the full respect to some villain that's only appeared in three issues and i don't care that they're canceling the series that you read that lasted for four issues and you loved but four other people read if it was that great other people would have read it and it would have kept going on until infinity you didn't do the job to uh i don't know maybe advertise it to people Yeah, that's partly Marvel's job. That's partly DC's job. But it's your job, too, to say, hey, if I like this, I need to tell people and get them to buy it. So don't give me the crap. I don't want to hear your complaining in the comic book store. Just get over it and grow a pair. And that's what I have for my naughty list. I think I made that rant similar to last year, if not on this show, somewhere else. Yes, you probably remember a fanboy uh, rant from Ken at some some point. Well, I I did not purposefully copy anyone. This is but. the ripoff Ken version of. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm su- I'm su- next year, what's going to make Ken's naughty list is is definitely me. Yeah, plagiarism yeah. in general. <laughs> no, I'm fine. That's a legitimate rant, but I've I've mellowed since then. It's just every time I turn around, somebody's got to be complaining oh, yeah. about. You're real funny now. I'm really what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Ken is saying that he's mellowed, and I said, yeah, he's a real salty now. Oh. <laughs> Well, for my naughty list, I'd like to start off with Square Enix, the video game publisher, for taking five years to poop out Final Fantasy XIII. Needless to say, I was a bit disappointed 
uh, by this by this game, uh, especially after waiting five years for it. It was incredibly disappointing. Uh, also, my naughty list are DC and Marvel for charging four bucks for a regular comic book. That ain't cool, people. I can't roll with that. I'm sorry. Damn straight. You're here. Uh, for my nice list, really quickly, Anthony Johnston, Norman Reedus, Irony Singleton, Daniel Wallace, Bear McCready, Daryl Anumar, Jason Henderson, Chris Beckett, Renee Alvarado, Marjorie Liu, Kelly Armstrong, Megan and Nicole, Harold Jennett, Alec, Alec Berry, and Julian Lytle for helping me win the Great Morrison nah. debate. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, whack. And Sean Pryor. Well, thank you. On there too, because those are all the different guests and interviews we've done this year on Robert Kirkman. Well, replayed Robert Kirkman. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see here. You know what? I, I want to start with my with my naughty first, and you know I'm not trying to dogpile on Marvel when I say this, but when you come up with the concept of the Marvel Digital Vault for digital comic books. When you deal with the digital medium, by it being digital, there's a reason why it's digital. That means it's supposed to be accessible. People should find it. People should be able to get it uh, whenever they need it and pay you money so they can get it, so they can read that comic, whether it be Daredevil issue one or The Invaders issue one. But instead, someone that is trying to justify their job says, I got an idea that will make people buy digital comics. How about if we take them off the market for a while and then we bring them back? This is not the era of the VHS tape. Okay? All right, let's just, let's just be real with this. When Disney had the VHS market on lockdown, they could take movies off the market, build up, build up that need, build up that, uh, you know, that boost and build up that, you know, that just that want for that movie, and then they bring it back. Digital comics, you can't do that. So now you come up with this system, the Marvel Comics Digital Vault, telling people, oh, by the way, Daredevil number one and Invaders number one, yes, they're old books, but um, we're going to take, the- take them off the market for a while. We don't know when they're coming back. And when you do stuff like that, and Jason Wood in an article on iFanboy um, you brought this up, that might uh, lead to confirmation bias to make people think they look at these numbers and say, well, you know, this is a good idea. Well, you're basing it off of Daredevil issue one and Invaders issue one. And once again, you shouldn't do that with digital comic books. When you take something away in the digital format, you're, you're basically just telling everybody, you know what? Screw you. And you're just giving people the green light to go steal. Not saying that stealing is the right thing to do, but don't give people the option. That's the whole thing with the digital medium. Use it to your advantage. You're not screwing over a comic book store if you're selling old copies of digital comics. Do you know how many comic book stores I've been to that still have overpriced back issues and there's a reason why they're still there? They don't move product because they don't know how to sell it. I'm not saying that's all comic book stores. Just saying it's some. And with digital comics, I should be able to go back, get this, read it, enjoy myself, and walk away. But you want to make a vault? Really? Really? You know, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, you want to vault up, you know, like uh, Avengers with the team jackets. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I love Avengers with the team jackets. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. so that's just an issue with me because we live in a digital era. I love my DVDs. I love my CDs. Some stuff I keep. Some stuff I don't need anymore. But, you know, nothing should be out of print digitally. Nothing. How come I can't get a legit copy of Battle Beyond the Stars? 
I can't. Amen, brother. Amen. It, Simple damning. Exactly. Thank you. It's out of print. It's out of print. Why is it out of print? It's ridiculous. It should at least be available digitally. Star Chaser, The Legend, the Legend of Orin, one of my favorite animated movies from my childhood. And it's a terrible movie. I'll be the first to tell you. But I love it so. <laughs> out of print. It should be available digitally. These, these companies do not understand the power of the digital market and how much money you can make out of it. But yet they always they turn their back and then they get mad when Netflix makes money and when iTunes makes money. And they're mad because they didn't believe in it and didn't think these companies would make that cash. Now they're making it. Now these other companies are ticked. Now these studios are ticked off and they want more cash. So that's 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 my naughty list. That well, and I couldn't agree with you more, Sean. I mean, I'm studying uh, intellectual property in school. And as far as I'm concerned, if a company fails and it's a failure you're absolutely right if they fail to make their material material available to the people who want it and are willing to pay they have forfeited their right to complain when it's pirated because it's easy it is easy to make it available it is easy to make money off of it and they are refusing to do so out of stubbornness and and they need to just get off that but i'm sorry i interrupted you oh no 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 no. you're good you're good no and i appreciate you throwing in your comment on that seriously um and and like my 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 little my last little teeny tiny um naughty list is also with these big two companies i know some of us have books our favorite books they get canceled early after four or five issues like like you were talking about jordan and people like bitch about it but at the same time i would like to throw this to marvel and dc you've conditioned the market you've conditioned people to buy 15 Avengers titles, 15 X-Men titles, and things like that. So then when these new books drop, people, some people, not all people, but some people have that mentality of, well, no, I stick with these books, even though some of these books may not be as good as, they, as I want them to be, I'll stick with this because this is what I collect and I want my continuity, even though I might not read these books ever again. And they pass up on the opportunity for something new. These two companies have helped condition the market so it's hard for these new titles to really get that shot. So that's part, of, that's part of my problem. It's as much the reader's fault as it is the industry's fault because they've created this monster and they can't fix it. So that's yep. on my naughty list. Brian, Brian Hibbs um, at his Tilting at Windmills, I guess this is his last column on CBR, he, he went on a pretty, pretty good rant about the same – exactly what you're saying about, about the way they're conditioning readers to – you know, through you know, event after event, through you know, polarizing you know the lines into you know multiple you know titles in the same um, you know category and things like that. It was just really interesting for his you know to get his take as a retailer as well. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, my on my nice list, Summit Entertainment for making the movie Red. Red is one of my favorite movies this year. I loved it so much. I am. I just ordered the graph. You know the um, the limited series that it was based off of a few years back. That that was one of the few movies that was out this year that I loved it so much. I looked at my wife. I said, if I had money right now, I would pay for another ticket right now to watch this again. That's how much I love that movie. And I don't say that much about movies, and I love film, but I don't say that much when going to a movie theater. So, and I haven't seen Tron Legacy yet, and I'm dying to see it. But Red really made me happy. It seriously just made me smile. It made me chuckle. It was a nice balance of action and dialogue, just everything. And one of the coolest office fights in the history of office fights. So 
that was on my nice list. And also on my nice list is um, the Venture Brothers because Jackson Public and his crew can do no wrong. And, you know, all the, the, the wonderful podcast network that's out there, like the HHWLOD family, Comic Geek Speak family, um, you know, Daryl and Umar and Lori and, and, and all those cats out there, um, you know, Comic Tube. A podcast, I mean, there's so many podcasts, it would take me forever to name them. It, trust me. Thank, <laughs> I thank every single one of them for doing what they do and just for being wonderful people. So if I didn't mention your name, don't just charge it to my head and not my heart. And, um, and like artists like Jamal, Jamal Igle and Julian Lytle and just all, just all around good people, you know, good people. I, there's, we just need more positivity in this world. There's so much, there's so much negative and, you know, people like this bring out the positive. So, um, so props to all of them, you know, you know, my nice list and fire breather, fire breather was a great two hour cartoon. I loved it. Um, props to Phil Hester. Very cool. My lists are pretty simple, and uh, I didn't. I tried not to inject any venom that was unneeded this year. Believe it or not, I'm going to start with my nice list. I put Robert Rodriguez, who we've mentioned before on on this show, and Nimrod Antal uh, for making the Predator franchise matter again. Predators was a good movie. It made me very happy. Predator is important to me. Uh, I remember seeing it the first time, and it really became like my gateway into sci-fi and this sort of genre of cool stuff. You know, even when, you know, we all, a lot of us talk about that period when we left comics, you know, even in that long, dark period where I wasn't reading, I was still buying Dark Horse, Predator, trades um and your batman versus predator and all the kooky stuff they came up with in the uh early 90s and stuff like that uh so predator is is an important franchise to me and you know it sucked for a long time uh i love predator too i know russ loves predator too you know the avp movies were like so how did they screw that up i still can't figure it out how (laughs) you can screw up not one but two Aliens versus Predator movies. I can't fathom how you screw that up. But this is my nice list, so I'm going to thank Robert Rodriguez and uh, and Mr. Antal for bringing back a good Predator movie. And it sounds like they're gearing up for you know a sequel to that. So that's that's cool. So I thank them. Okay, John. Snap judgment. RoboCop versus Predator. Who wins? What planet is it taking place on? Uh, we'll say Metro City Earth. That would be RoboCop. Then you can't. You, you can't, no, because yeah, and he might have Ed Two Hundred Nine help, only because they might form a team to beat aliens and then fight each other, which would be pretty cool. But uh, I think on the home world, I don't think RoboCop would do good in the jungle. So stand out a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll go with uh, RoboCop on with the home field advantage. Okay, on my naughty list, I have uh, two things. Uh, maybe, maybe this first one doesn't make sense, and, and maybe people that have thought about it more right now will be able to tell me why. But why is it that when I buy a Blu-ray, I get a digital copy, but when I buy a book, I don't get a digital copy, and when I buy a comic book, I don't get a digital copy, and when I buy a music CD, I don't get a digital copy? Give me any- five years. So there's no real reason for it other than they're just being stupid and, and taking long to come around? I, to be I, honest, I'd say it's probably just nobody's really pushed the idea yet. I think it's a great idea, but I haven't really heard it 
mentioned before. I question the viability of that digital copy that comes with that Blu-ray anyway, though. I've been As burned, do I. I've been burned more than once on DRM, which is the only reason why I haven't fully adopted the concept of owning anything that still has DRM attached to it. Music, which had its growing pains 10 years ago, has finally figured it out over the last three or four years with more and more DRM music being available uh, to buy legitimately and then be able to play however you want to, no matter what your device you have or where you want to play it. But the fact that I can get the Dark Knight on Blu-ray, use a digital copy on my computer, then play it on my Xbox, which is all perfectly fine and good, then upgrade my computer and have no way to transfer that license, effectively making that digital copy useless, makes the mm-hmm. whole concept you know, completely out, out, out for me. You know, all the ways you can download a, a digital copy uh, of any movie or TV show is so locked into a specific path. Yes, I can get it through Zoom, and then I can get it on my uh, my Zoom device, my Xbox, or my computer, but I can't put it on my Android. iTunes is the same way. Amazon Marketplace is the same way there. Amazon Marketplace, great. It works on Windows Play for sure, but that won't play on my Zoom. It, it, you're you're completely locked in. I I have a mix of devices. If I was all Apple, great. I can do whatever I want with my iTunes, iTunes uh, stuff. I'm not. I don't have anything Apple. First off, um, but even so, but so then I'm limited to just my computers. It, it's crazy. So for me to download or buy a TV show for the same cost as the physical media, which is a separate conversation. It, it, it's, it's, I just can't bring myself to do it. At two dollars a show for an average twenty-two episode season, that's forty-four bucks. You know, that's striking range of the DVD box set I would probably end up buying anyway. It, I, it's, it's just ridiculous for me to do that. Something like Netflix where you're renting something um, or even um, what is being available through Marvel's uh, Digital Comics Online where it's a subscription service and it's kind of all you can eat, but you don't actually own anything. You're renting it. Even Zoom's Music Pass where it's 15 bucks a month and you can just, you know, all you can listen to goes on your Zoom. Great. You're all set. Um, at least that is... A little bit more reasonable for me to figure out because yes, I'm watching my Netflix movie. It's on my, you know, any of my computers or any of my Netflix-enabled devices. But I'm not buying it. It's available right on, ready to go for me. It's eight bucks a month. Good. I'm sold. I'm in. Um, but to download a movie and buy and spend ten bucks or whatever on a movie, I was looking at Smallville on Zoom Marketplace on my Xbox. It's like six bucks for a high-definition copy of of one episode. Sorry, I can't do that. Um, so sorry about the rant there. Um, but the DRM is right there. Why the there's devil. not, it is, it is the devil. I mean, music, which got hit with this first because of, and it goes back to what you're saying about digital, digital comics. You need a device to do it on when MP3 players or MP3 in general really took off, you know, uh, 12 years ago and started, you know, leaking into the more mainstream. And then Napster has big challenges about, uh, 10 or 11 years ago, and then finally got you know shaken out. Music figured out. One thing they also figured out that they would never admit to was that despite the fact that Napster was doing its thing, CD sales were at an all-time high because people were sampling their music and then saying, oh yeah, I want that, let me go buy the CD. You know, TV and music, this goes back to our Stargate Universe conversation that I was trying to avoid, trying to not get into because I knew I was going to get here. Um, it, it, they need to figure this new way of watching or consuming media, they need to figure it out and how it works in an advertised-funded world. Um, advertisers only care about how many people are watching it at one time as far as TV goes. They don't care. They care less about – they certainly don't want to even – they would prefer not to count DVR at all because they know we're not seeing any of their ads, but they still count as a portion of the thing. It, it's, it's nuts. I can just go on and on, but uh, until DRM is figured out – 
until there's some way that you can use that copy the way you want to as a consumer, not the way the provider would want you to, it, it's irrelevant if they offer to you or not because you're limited by what they choose to give you. Well, I changed my naughty list to DRM then. <laughs> here, here. And also, <laughs> uh, this is kind of like a silly one, but I really found it aggravating me earlier today as I, as I watched some football. Have you guys seen the Visa commercial for those stupid old men that go to every Super Bowl? Yes. I hate them, and I hate that commercial, and I don't understand how a bunch of old men can go to every Super Bowl, and they don't give me enough information. Are they millionaires? Is this a true story? <laughs> how do they get their tickets? What, what is the meaning of this? For, for a lifetime football fan who has never sniffed a Super Bowl ticket, never even had the opportunity to buy one. Like, no one has even come to me or presented a situation where they say, hey, you can buy these Super Bowl tickets, even if they said, you know, 10 grand each or whatever Super Bowl tickets cost. I've never even had one closely offered to me. Here's how you get a Super Bowl ticket, or at least how you buy one. First off, you know where the Super Bowl is going to be in 2012. You get your hotel reservations. No, that's this that's year. eleven. You get you get the once you find out where it's going to be in whatever year, you get your hotel reservation done and over with as quick as you can for for that weekend because they're going to go fast as it is. Then you get in touch with the concierge because they always have the ear to the ground, and you start working working this, the system that way. Get a couple of hotel rooms reserved so you can find the the best deal, and you will work the system that way. And, and eventually, I'm gonna, you will. I'm going to cut you off, Ken, because you are missing the point. <laughs> no, I'm not missing the point. <laughs> Guys, I'm just answering your hypothetical question. Any, I'm not asking how I get tickets. I'm asking how they got. Well, there you go. I'm telling you, that's probably how they did it. Well, I want more information, and I want to know if it's fiction or truth. I'm giving, I'm giving the truth. Shouldn't you be more upset with the Eagles and/or the Giants' defense right now? (laughs) I don't like the Giants, and the Raiders beat the Broncos for the second time this year. That's good enough for me. Did you see the T-shirt? I think it was T-Fury who had it, but it was the Raiders logo with a Tuscan Raider head implanted instead. Nice. <laughs> I want that now. <laughs> change my, is it too late to change my want list? No, we'll add yes. it in, in post. Okay. That's it for me. Well, we had a bit of a supersized episode this, this, uh, this year, but these, these always tend to go a little long, but they're always – just, just great. Sean, as always, anytime you want to stop by, you know you're always more than welcome. We love having you on. We love talking to you. Um, we always love to hear what, what you've got going on and and uh, and what's what's new and exciting in your world. Sean, tell us again. How do we find out about Kickstarter? Uh, go to kickstarter.com and in the search header type either Action Lab or Fracture and just hit enter and that will uh, lead you to uh, the Action Lab Entertainment presents Fracture Kickstarter fundraiser. Or if you don't want to do that, you can go to actionlabcomics.com and there is a link on our site that will direct you to the Kickstarter site. Hear that, folks? Kickstarter.com, search for Action Lab or, or Fracture. Uh, skip Starbucks one day. One or two bucks is all it takes. Everybody does that. We got Sean set up. And, and everybody sends in five to me. I can get Thomas Jane's flak jacket with the punishment. <laughs> Just to wear around the house. Yes. Oh, if uh, you'd like to get in touch with us, 
you can do that in a myriad of ways. First, you can give us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. Or you can email us at comments at legionofdudes.com. Uh, check out our brother podcast, Half Hour Wasted, on Mondays. And, of course, Legion of Dudes on Thursdays. We've also uh, got the Speak of the De- uh, Devil podcast uh, for Daredevil-centric coverage. And the Walking Dead TV podcast. Uh, all things you want to check out on the HHLOD network. Uh, check out Jordan from Jersey on YouTube for his comic reviews. Uh, there are Facebook groups for Legion of Dudes, Half Hour Wasted, Walking Dead TV podcast, and Speak of the Devil. And our Twitter is at LOD Tweet if you want to follow us there. Great. Well, I think that does it then for this week. Oh, uh, before you guys go, uh, I just wanted to say, also I want to reiterate and just say thank you once again. Uh, for having me on the show. The Christmas episode is like always one of my favorites. And I really just like, you know, love stopping by and just talking with y'all and sharing laughs and stuff and, and getting, getting the vent <laughs> sometimes. And it's just a really nice, it's a really nice feeling. And, and, you know, the support and love you guys give is just wonderful and it's fantastic. I feel real blessed. So, so thank you guys. I appreciate it. No problem, Sean. Anytime. Our pleasure. Always welcome in our dojo. What I guess two weeks we'll be doing the duties next week. Next, well, yeah, next, next week. week. Yep, next week. flies third annual duties. Jordan, you got to rent your tux. Yeah, <laughs> yep. We dress I up can't just for wear this one. You know, a standard suit, like if a business nope. suit. Nope, nope. So duties, nope. you got to wear a tux. It's, you can wear that. Yeah, yeah, John, what about pants? Escort. Are they optional? You, John shower. Yes. No, you, yeah, you, you don't wear any wear pants. Uh, John, John, <laughs> John showers. So, yeah, oh, that's a plus. It's Yankee rules too, isn't it? We're no facial hair. You got to shave. That's clean correct. shave. Nope. But I'm rocking my crazy mustache right now. Nope, not allowed in the clubhouse. Nope. <laughs> what if now, I just stand outside the window and yell towards the mic? Is that a porn stash or a predator stash? Uh, I will send you a picture. It's actually on Facebook, but uh-huh. it's uh, it's more of a Lemmy from Motorhead stash. Okay. <laughs> nice. Good end show now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night and Merry Christmas, one and all. And to all a good night. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you the best day ever and hope all your Christmas endeavors are super fun, amazing, and clever. And that your New Year's rocks too. Oh, come tell me what you do. Carl, get away from that punch bowl. I'm saving that for me. Sorry, sir. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a New Year. Yes!
Oh, great. Well, now we've mentioned it. You know, no one would have noticed if you'd have just kept your mouth shut. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO1 and the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.